Hello gamers from around the world. This is Boxenberger, the video game enthusiast from Germany, and I would like to welcome you to today's episode of The World of Gaming. And boy, did we have breaking news today. Uh, but yeah, uh, not so exciting news, so much exciting news. For a lot of people, it's kind of sad news, but we will talk about that. But first, I need to welcome our awesome community. The chat is already filling up. A big welcome to you guys. Hope you're all doing well here today. Dutch, how are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. I'm a little bit tired um, for, for reasons that a lot of people are tired at the moment. But uh, otherwise, I'm good. I got my, my TV back from the repair ah, guys. So very good. No longer blue. Um, which you can kind of see here. Previously, that was very blue from any angle. Um, so it's it's like having a brand new TV again. So I'm, I'm happy. S sweet, <laughs> sweet. Good stuff there. Good stuff. So, yeah. Again, welcome to our community. Um, and welcome to everyone who listens after the fact, of course, either here on YouTube or, of course, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Google Podcast. We've 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 been seeing quite a growth on Spotify lately, and so shout out to to those gamers listening. Uh, it's very awesome. Um, so yeah, guys, um, we have a lot to discuss here today. Of course, we're gonna talk about the big layoffs that were announced today um, in the Xbox and Activision Blizzard department. Um, we will talk about a couple of other layoffs as well, because uh, it's it's kind of like the flu man going around uh, and very unfortunate for those affected. Um, then we got a lot of extra news on About. Xbox did a, a special About podcast with the game director and the gameplay director. And we got a lot of new footage and a lot of new infos out of that. We will talk, of course, about that. We have some Witcher 4 news, man. I'm always excited to talk about that. <laughs> Whenever there's anything Witcher, you can rest assured we will talk about that. Um, <clears throat> of course, Pal World has taken uh, the gaming world uh, by storm. And uh, there's a lot to talk about. And... <laughs> We have some interesting statements from Sony's CEO regarding the future of PlayStation and what their platform strategy is. We have some Halo yeah. news and a lot more. And this time, Dutch, we are not forgetting the community questions. Um, because last week yeah. we simply forgot after the excitement of the, of the Xbox uh, Developer Direct showcase. We totally forgot to, to, to uh, talk about the community questions. So we will do a double session today, last week's questions and this week's questions. So yeah, it's going to be an awesome show. But first, of course, um, in the chat, you guys can vote what gameplay we're going to watch. And we want to also hear, of course, from everyone in the chat, what you guys have been playing. That's what has kept you busy, man. Um. Like everyone at the moment, or at least most people. Not a lot me, of people. not me. Not you, not yet. You haven't succumbed to it yet. No, I, I, I probably time. won't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, listen, listen, everyone keeps telling me <laughs> Pal World is Pokemon meets Ark. And I really don't what? like Pokemon. Yeah. And 
Both Comparing it to Ark makes it even worse because that was the most weird game I've ever played. So yeah, no. but Ark didn't give you a guideline as to what to do. This game constantly gives you guidelines as to what to do. Hmm. It's like, okay, this is what you need to do next. This is what you need to build. This is what you need to do. Like you don't, it doesn't force you to do it, but it's giving you directions. In Ark, it just goes, there you go. Bye-bye. Mm. And doesn't actually tell you what the game's about or what to do, what you need to do, or what you can do. Okay, then, This one tells you. So it actually has directions. Besides it, it, it having, like, uh, tutorials in there, try to yeah. sell it to me. Try to What what makes this game such a success? It is... A, it's actually, it's, it's not just Pokemon and Ark. Um, there is very much a big um, Zelda exploration feel about it as well. Um, you have your weapons, your bows, your arrows, your, your bats. You also have, of course, your guns later on, but that's mm. actually far later on because that's way down the technology tree that you need to unlock. You need to start unlocking it and, re and researching it and things like that before you can even think about getting guns. Yeah, That's way down the line. So initially, it's all about the exploration. It's about finding your pals, building your base, mm -hmm. and going to explore the world as you would like a Zelda. There are certain bosses around the world in what would be looking kind of like shrines. Okay. <laughs> um, you've got your glider and things like that, a bit like you have in Zelda, so you can kind of float around, or you can kind of use pals in order to explore different areas, depending on what they are. So if it's a ground-based one, then obviously they can run. If it's a flying one, it can fly. If it's a swim one, it can swim. Um, so you've got different materials for each one. But ultimately, it's, it is, it's a good combination or culmination of what the likes of Ark and its, and its base building and crafting is Zelda's exploration and adventure and Pokemon's catch em all monster hunter. Okay. It's a combination of all three, but hmm. it's more like instead of the turn-based thing from regular Pokemon, yeah. it's more like Arceus legends where you fight alongside okay. it. So you, you just throw it out the strongest one. It fights whilst you're fighting at the same time. So it's like a party. I don't know. Man, yeah. I don't know. It, it does nothing to me. Like I'm, I'm seeing all those people enjoying yeah. Pal World, and I'm, I'm happy for everyone. Yeah, yeah. which is is cool. I'm always pro people enjoying a game, but I've seen nothing uh, uh, in in Pal World yet that that excites me. You know, I just look at that. All I can say, I mean, I, I would say, I would, I would even say for those who are on the fence. Either try it or wait for it to have a couple of weeks' worth of patches first because consoles specifically, if you play it on PC, you're fine. Um, if, ish, there's still bugs on PC. But I mean, if you play it's still it on Xbox, in early access, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you play it on Xbox, there is far more issues with it that needs resolved. Um, right. Thankfully, it doesn't detract from the fun of the game, but there are things that will annoy people. Mm -hmm. Um Clipping um, in the world is is a big one. So sometimes the the parts of the world won't load correctly, and you'll clip through the floor into the sea. Okay, and then you can't get back onto land because it doesn't load. So you end up either getting stuck or running out of stamina and drowning and losing your gear. Um, sometimes you can easily get it back. Other times the areas that are not loaded in are so vast you can't get it back. So you have to use amount in order to either swim or fly to that location and pick okay. your gear up. Um, 
but um, yeah, there's there's a few little things. Lighting needs it needs a little bit of a look at because there is a, a lighting flicker issue when it goes from night to day on its day night cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of flickers a bit, um, but it also doesn't have brightness or contrast controls or HDR controls on there. Um, so you essentially have to just do that via the TV, like old fashioned way, in order to change that if the lighting the lighting isn't quite right for you. Um, and of course, if you're using it on a monitor, chances are the lighting might be a bit off if you're playing the game on a monitor like I am. Okay. And with it having no in-game brightness or contrast controls, yeah, it can be a bit of an issue. Um, in terms of the controls and everything, they're fine. Um, there's no issues with the controls. Um, the AI is good for the most part, but sometimes can um, flicker in and out. Um, if enemy AI clip into scenery when we're having the clipping issue. Mm-hmm. So if there's a clipping issue and enemy AI gets stuck behind a mountain, for instance, that is there but not there, <laughs> the pals assume that that enemy is still there even though they can't attack it, so are on a heightened alert forever. <laughs> okay. So obviously there is issues with that so i think they need to kind of adjust that a little bit um overall though it's it, it's a good combination of of several things that i think a lot of people are going to really enjoy gotcha. um so um yeah it, it's a case of i definitely recommend people try it it's not going to be for everybody mm-hmm. but i think a lot of people will be surprised by it if they do try it hmm Maybe, man. Maybe, maybe if I have some time left over, because I have so many other games I'm I've, I'm currently playing and I still want to play. Where I'm just yeah. a little bit more excited. But yeah, yeah, interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. We will get back to Pal World and, and you know the discussion mm-hmm. around this a little later yeah. in the show. Um, anything else you've been playing? Um, yeah, before Pal World took over my life. Um, <laughs> um, I've been still playing um, the OG Final Fantasy VII as well as Final Fantasy VII um, Crisis Core Reunion, Sweet. which I got super cheap for fourteen fourteen ninety nine um, at the beginning of January in, on on Amazon. So it, I expected it would arrive in February, but it arrived way earlier, which was good, mm-hmm. uh, and. Then just Pal World, um, and of course I've got Alan Wake lined up to play after that. That's the game you should be playing, man. That's the game. Well, after after when I finished Final Fantasy 16, and um, specifically 16, I'm jumping into Alan Wake 2 to, okay. to get that done before Rebirth. Sounds like a plan, man. Sounds like a plan. All right, all right. Let me shout out Dronti Che. Um, haven't seen you in a while in the chat, man. Awesome to see you. And he sends in a $5 super chat and says, What's up, guys? Everyone hit that like. Pal World is fun. It's all I keep hearing. I have not played it yet. I don't know. Maybe maybe I will. Just to be able yeah, to talk it's a, about a relative, it, man. It's a small file size as well by the way so it won't take up tons of your space so i don't care about that i only have like a handful of games installed anyway <laughs> like i'm not i'm not s- s- storing the games on my i have like two games 
that I have always installed, uh, and that's Skyrim and The Witcher. Yeah. And then the rest I played, I deleted. I play the next one, I deleted. It's like I have three, four, five games max installed. So. Uh, but anyways, anyways, I wanted to shout out our awesome community because they have been playing some good stuff uh, that I'm seeing here. Um, so, Jack Purchase has been playing Hellblade, Senior Sacrifice, which is nice. always a good one. And Big Mad Mo beat Prince of Persia and is now playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla until Suicide Squad comes out. Um, yeah, man, I can't wait for that another week and then we are good to go, bro. That's, that's awesome. I cannot wait. So, what else? Um... I mean, by the way, I have been playing Prince of Persia as well, and I think it is leading the votes, which it does, by the way. So put in your votes. I'm going to close the poll really soon, and then we're going to probably watch some Prince of Persia here today, which is nice. absolutely a fantastic Metroidvania. Like, they got that super right. You know, it's like the movement, the controls are so on point. I mean, it runs at 120 frames uh, on the Series X. It feels just really, really good. Like, they nailed the combat. They nailed the platforming. Challenging, but not too challenging, you know? Like, it's you, you never have the feeling that the game becomes unfair to you. So, like, you always know when you die, okay, I made, I made a mistake. It's my fault. And it's a very good thing in a game. Um... The exploration is great. Um, I'm loving it. I'm I'm really enjoying Prince of Persia. Uh, nice. I also finished RoboCop, by the way, which is I've talked about that multiple times now on the podcast. Uh, a game that nobody should sleep on. RoboCop was absolutely awesome. I think I gave it a nine. Uh, absolutely loved it. So what else have people been playing? Uh, Siki is playing Baldur's Gate 3 and Halo Infinite. Very good choice. Very good choice. And Lady Foxfire is in the chat. Shout out to you. Um, she says, uh, I've been playing Warframe, uh, The Walking Dead Final Season, and Immortals of Avian. That sounds like a good thing. Then we have Christopher K, uh, who plays Alan Wake 2. Very good stuff there. Very good stuff. Um, and shout out to Tronty J who sends in another $5 super chat and says, Dutch is playing Pal World right now. Yes, he is. Man, focus. Focus. People I start to notice. I, I, have got, I have got good uh, ability to multitask. Don't you worry. <laughs> okay. All I'm doing is sorting boxes. Right. I, can, I, am, I am here in mind and in okay. body. Okay. <laughs> Take your word on that. Uh, and TJ follows up and says he's been playing Pal World and Elden Ring. Oh, nice. First time you play Elden Ring? Let me know in the chat, man. All right. Some good stuff there. Some good stuff. So I'm going to close the poll uh, of today. And it's a very close one in between Robocop and Prince of Persia here today. But Prince of Persia wins. So we are going to watch some um, Prince of Persia gameplay. Um Again, phenomenal, phenomenal um, Metroidvania. 
definitely worth the purchase. Or you can get it via Ubisoft Plus, man. If you don't want to pay it 50 bucks, just get a month of, of UB Plus. Um, and, and you can play that. Uh, so that's good stuff. But Dutch, let us get into the news of the day. Um, and that's obviously... Um, that's obviously the layoffs at um, Microsoft, respectively, Xbox and, and ABK. <coughs> um, so earlier today, uh, they announced that they are going to lay off 1,900 employees at Activision Blizzard and Xbox. Um, most of those roles are uh, at Activision Blizzard, some of them at Xbox and Zenimax. Um, that's about 8% of the overall um, gaming division. They have uh, right now around 22,000 employees in total and 1,900 of them are being let go. Phil Spencer wrote a memo, internal memo uh, and that's uh, with credit to Tom Warren from The Verge. Um, so Phil has been writing to the staff. It's been a little over three months since Activision Blizzard and King teams joined Microsoft. As we move forward in 2024, the leadership of Microsoft Gaming and Activision Blizzard is committed to aligning on a strategy and an execution plan with a sustainable cost structure that will support the whole of the whole of our growing business. Yeah. Together, we've set priorities, identified areas of overlap, and ensured that we are all aligned on the best opportunities for growth. As part of this process, we have made the painful decision to reduce the size of our gaming workforce by approximately 1,900 roles out of the 22,000 people on our team. The gaming leadership team and I are committed to navigating this process as thoughtfully as possible. The people who are directly impacted by these reductions have all played an important part in the success of Activision Blizzard, Zenimax and the Xbox teams, and they should be proud of everything they've accomplished here. We are grateful for all those creativity, passion and dedication they have brought to our games, to our players and our colleagues. We will provide our full support to those who are impacted during the transition, including severance benefits informed by local uh, employment laws. Those who, whose roles will be impacted will be notified and we ask that you please treat your departing colleagues with the respect and compassion that is consistent with our values. Looking ahead, we'll continue to invest in areas that will grow our business and support our strategy of bringing more games to more players around the world. Although this is a difficult moment for our team, I'm as confident as ever in our ability to create and nurture the games, the stories and worlds that bring players together. So yeah, man, big Big topic right now. Um, yeah. What What are your thoughts, man? Uh, it was absolutely inevitable. Um, it's what happens when you merge two very large companies together. Um, <clears throat> there are some rules within that that um, are harder to, um, I wouldn't say harder to justify, but harder to comprehend than other roles such as um, certain community teams or customer support or things like that, like dedicated customer support roles that have been let go from Blizzard. Um, I can understand that's a little bit difficult to understand. Um, 
but there are certain rules within there. And of course, we don't want redundancies. We don't want people being out of work. But there are certain rules within there with regards to two merging companies that will naturally be redundant, um, such as finance, HR, marketing, etc. cetera. Um, now, of course, the reason they're redundant is naturally if, uh, if you have two finance directors, you have two... Um, HR directors, you have two finance teams, two HR teams, two marketing teams, a marketing director. You don't need two of them doing exactly the same role for exactly the same thing. Um, it means that one of them or both of them will end up with a very light workload, and then in which case you're paying two of them a very handsome salary for exactly the same thing, even though they've both got a significantly reduced workload. Um, you want to get the most out of one person and have that person of course, naturally be on a good pay as opposed to having two people on a very high salary or a potentially decent salary that are doing very little because the workload is very thin. So the the job role becomes redundant, as it were, because there isn't the workload to spread across the two of them. And it isn't, there isn't a requirement to have two people doing exactly the same thing. So naturally, those yeah. roles are classed as redundant. Uh, one thing I, I have hated seeing is people still and i don't i think it's just a commonplace thing but these people aren't fired their their job they haven't been fired from the job they microsoft aren't firing anybody the the rules are simply redundant it's a layoff which means that these people will go with a severance package not only will they go with a severance package but they will also go with um references from microsoft they will go with the backing and, and and support, and they will assist them in finding new rules where possible. If you're fired, you will not get severance. You will likely be penalized. You will not get support. You will not get a reference. <laughs> There's a difference between being fired and being laid off. Um, a layoff is, is when the company requires you your role to be mm. redundant because yeah. it is no longer, um, uh, there is no longer a need for that particular role. Um, like I say, though, out of those 1,900 staff that have been let go, um, there are rules in there that are a little bit more difficult to 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 um, to understand. Like I say, the dedicated customer support rules that they had at Blizzard um, that really could have been kept. Um, they've actually said they're going to be um, using external teams or external companies to do the support for Blizzard from um, from other nations, um, which to, sounds like any other standard customer support thing that we get for your, your, your broadband and your TV and things like that, that everybody hates. You ring them up, you get nowhere because you, you, they don't understand what you're saying. They don't understand the problem you're having. The support isn't customized. These people aren't paid enough when they do farm these out to these external companies. They're not on decent salaries. They're not looked after like everybody else, so they don't care about the support that they're giving to the customers. They're doing the bare minimum to keep a job, whereas the customer support rules dedicate yeah. customer support teams at Blizzard and at these companies when they are in-house are usually actually very interested in doing that role in the first place in providing support of the community or very integrated with the community and in providing good support mm. um, 
there's a difference. And you can tell that with every company. When a company has externalizes their support rules from their own in-house company to external companies, the, the level of support and the level of customer service severely drops. So this is something that I, I can never understand is why companies do that, why you would want to risk your, your, your feedback and your company support for for a little bit of a lower overhead. Yeah. I, don't, I don't justify that side of things. I can understand the merging departments having layoffs, yeah, like the overlapping rules. That makes sense. But there's certain rules that aren't really justifiable for the sake of a little bit of a wage, uh, a little bit of a wage issue that they've got. And okay, this this department might cost a little bit more, but ultimately we want to have the highest level of customer support that we can. I think that would be more justifiable than than profits on that situation. On overlapping rules, there isn't, of course, there is a reason for that. <laughs> ultimately, you can't have two people doing the same thing. Yeah, you got to have. I kind of put it in layman's yeah. terms for people. Worried. Like if you if you're going to if you're hiring a driver for for a job and there is only one car and that car is only going to one destination, you don't need to hire three drivers in that exact same car to go to the exact same place to do the exact same job because there is only a singular car to get there. Hmm. So you don't need three drivers. You just need the one driver. I mean, so absolutely, absolutely. I think. Um, Yeah, I, I I agree there. Uh, I think we have to look at this very differentiated because there, yeah. there are multiple levels to this, you know. Obviously, it sucks for everyone who is yeah. being laid off. Um, losing your job, severance package here or there, uh, usually sucks. It's just what it is. Um, yeah. But then this really doesn't come as surprising as people make it out to be i mean yeah. like you said um when you do a such a massive acquisition with the acquisition of abk they basically doubled their staff yeah the xbox division grew from 12,000 people to 22,000 people um yeah it's basically doubling their your, your staff um You obviously want to make the whole organization as efficient as possible. Um, and like you said, there are simply redundancies in the organization, especially in the overhead departments like HR, like controlling, like marketing, whatnot. Um, so there, this was was definitely um, expected, and along with. Yeah. Uh, such a massive restructuring within the company. And we've talked about the, the restructuring a couple of weeks ago when they announced like who's becoming what now. Yeah. Sarah Bond became yeah. Xbox vice president. Matt Booty became head of all Xbox studios, including Cinemax and um, the ABK studios and so on. And then we have like, you do these, this massive restructuring You do that to make the organization in total more efficient. And that usually yeah. comes along, of course, with having redundancies. I'm not trying to defend the move per se. You know, again, it sucks for the people. But I think this was um, something everyone was expecting sooner or later. Um, yeah. And um, obviously, spending $70 billion, you want to recuperate that. 
And that's the other aspect. What we sometimes forget in the in our passion for gaming and the gaming companies that make the brands we love, whether it be Xbox, whether it be Sony, whether it, whether it's Nintendo or any of the third-party publishers, all of those are capitalistic companies. That's that the Microsoft did not become a three trillion dollar company by being a charity. At the very end of the day, none of these companies are our friends per se. Yeah, those are companies that are in a multi-billion dollar business to make multi-billion dollar revenues. That's at the very yeah. end of the day, the thing. Um, yeah. And um, <clears throat> so as much as we can be a fan of certain brands and everything, and we all are here, in you, me, everyone here in the chat, we are fans of Xbox, of PlayStation, of Nintendo... Uh, of steam yeah. or whatnot yeah yes we can be that but at the very end of the day those companies are in it in this business to make money to make lots of money and there will always be like the ongoing effort to make things more efficient to reduce overhead costs and this is what this is and it sucks for the people i totally get that but it it's it's really not surprising yeah and i don't yeah. think I do not even think that this would be probably the last time that they did something like that. Um, we will talk about it a little later. There are so many companies right now uh, in the in the gaming industry, particularly that are laying off people. It's like it feels like a, a sickness going around. But um, yeah, with with Xbox and ABK, obviously that that's what was so clear that it is going to happen and along the 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 this um we also got a couple of other news out of this man um mike ibarra is also leaving again microsoft um what did you think of that man <laughs> he clearly doesn't want to work at microsoft does right, he? obviously not I, for, for, I have some, no some idea what keep... happened there but it's some so obvious keep... Yeah, some people keep conflating this, though. People keep saying that Microsoft laid off Mike, but it, it, he didn't. Mike, Mike Ybarra has chosen to leave. Yeah. He's chosen to leave the, yeah. at this stage and, and do something else. Yeah. It's his, his choice. He doesn't want to be at Microsoft. What he has done is he stayed to ensure the handover process has been completed. Um, he's also been made aware of the layoffs of the team that he worked with yeah. um, and naturally... He wants to aid and help anyone who's been affected um, before he steps down. So, um, yeah, good on him for that. Um, good on him and, and good luck to him um, and, and any endeavors he has. Of recent months, internally though, there's been a lot of um, a lot of tit for tat at Blizzard with regards to some of his decisions with Obviously. World of Warcraft, etc. Yeah, um, so. It's it's not all been roses for Mike at Blizzard as much as people like to say Blizzard like it's it's in the best place it has been for a while. That may be the case, but it's still. Oh dear! Oh dear! Oh no! Dear, I'm back. I don't know what happened. <laughs> 
<laughs> I honestly don't know what happened. Uh, some sort of weird ass disconnect. Um, <laughs> I was just by myself there for a minute. I was like, uh oh. And oh, because no. YouTube got like a 30 second delay, I wasn't sure whether or not it crashed entirely. So people didn't hear me for a bit there, which is all right. Um, never mind. Um, yeah, so it's not been all roses at Blizzard, despite yeah. World of Warcraft having great expansions recently. There yeah. has been a few things that do need improved still um, that I think could be looked into. Um, but, you know, we shall uh, we shall have to wait and see. We shall yeah. have to wait and see how this pans out. I mean, um, but- it, is, it is a weird one with it, Mike. Uh, like you said, he obviously doesn't want to work at Microsoft. Um, yeah. I don't know what happened uh, uh, all those years ago. When did he leave? I think it was 2017, 16, 17. <laughs> yeah. Um, something like that. And um, obviously now as soon as he's back at, at Microsoft, he's leaving again. So we don't know what happened there, but obviously there, there was something going on. Um, yeah. And it well i wish him all the best obviously but it kind of sucks for blizzard because blizzard has been on on this really weird path for many many years um you know world of warcraft was not where it's supposed to be they had their hits and misses with overwatch uh, a lot of criticism there i mean at one point overwatch 2 was the worst rated uh, game on steam and um yeah. i i think we can all agree that objectively that's not the case uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah the community simply wasn't happy with uh things have been uh, with, with the things that have been going on over at blizzard and ever since uh, mike ibarra took over the ship um a lot of things got better over there world of warcraft players are really happy with the expansions over the last one or two years Uh, it's really back at its state where where people are enjoying it they had a massive launch with diablo 4 which is by the way season 3 started there yeah uh yeah and um yeah it's it's a massive success and it's it's beloved people enjoy that um blizzard has been has been back on track uh, under Mike. Um, I've been getting back on track uh, under Mike. So obviously it would have been cool to see him stick around and see where he would take Blizzard um, with a little bit more creative freedom under Microsoft than they had under Bobby Kotick and Activision. So, yeah, it is... um, it is what it is. Um, Mike is is also leaving, and then we have a lot of additional news. Um, some of them coming from our good friend Jess Corden. Yeah. Um, he uh, tweeted out earlier that um, multiple sources told him that Microsoft is laying off the entire internal customer support team at ABK. Yeah. Um, uh, ABK was one of the few uh, teams that uh, game pu- game publishers that uh, had a high quality internal customer support team, and they, um, yeah, will outsource that to an external company. He also heard that Microsoft 
uh, has also shut down the departments that are dedicated to bringing Xbox games to physical retail. Yep. So. Yeah, I heard that. I heard that. That's, yeah. that's what I was touching on before um, with regards um, the customer service team being outsourced to, yeah. uh, to external companies. Um, and that's, that's one I don't agree with because I think first and foremost, I don't care what size you are. <laughs> and this goes for every company. We've all had annoyances yeah. where you try to deal with your, your broadband provider, your TV provider, whatever, and your support team is based out of some random country that has no connection to you, barely understands a word that you're saying. This is no offense as well um, to any of those, but they and they simply don't care because their salary dictates that they don't care. They're just happy that they've got a job at the end of the day. Um, they don't care about the product. They don't care about the product that they're trying to support. Um, they just, they're just they just a, a backup team, essentially. They're just a low-paid worker team. Um, so they don't care. Having an internal dedicated support team means that those people that actually helped the customers cared yeah. because it was a product they cared about. It was a company that they cared about. It was a job that they loved doing because it was ultimately a place that they really wanted to work. They wanted to be in the gaming sector. They wanted to have fun. Um, so, yeah, it was. It, it's it's a bit. I, I never agree with externalizing support teams ever. It makes no sense. Whether that it, be it does not. It really support. doesn't. Um, I think, like, basically everything that directly interacts with customers whether it's sales yeah. whether it's customer support is never a good idea to outsource that because at the very end that's the con that that's the, the 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 connection people have with your brand and nobody is yeah. going to represent your brand better than your own staff um yeah but yeah obviously um I, they see it differently um and it's about the retail thing. I know there are a lot of physical collectors out there. Um, I really do not care that much. Uh, I haven't bought a physical game since the 360 days. So um, I, I really don't mind. But I think a lot of people want the option. And obviously that tells you that it, that Xbox is going in this all digital direction. Obviously. Yeah. Um, this is also supported by, of course, the rumors um, from the leaks that we got uh, at the end of last year when all the Xbox stuff leaked and we uh, learned that the new all-digital Xbox Series X uh, that is coming by the end of this year um, uh, is going to be digital only. So obviously they yeah. try to move into that direction, um, which, yeah, uh, I don't know. We talked a lot about, you know, brand awareness um and xbox liking marketing and um that especially across europe here um xbox as a brand is isn't really that well known yeah and not having anything in the in the stores on the shelves is definitely not going to help you with that so um but yeah um, Jess also uh, tweeted out um, that a huge amount of community managers have uh, lost their oh, yeah. job yeah, across the that. company. Um, I noticed that. I noticed that today more than any other that I've seen. It was community managers. Um, 
which is it's it is it's a damn shame um and i don't justify any role being being left but of of roles that depending on how big that community is how many staff you have your own internal community teams and how the community teams yeah. are worked at at microsoft this is another thing as well that needs to be taken into account that i think a lot of people don't and don't kind of talk about is how the community teams are, are differentiated and how they work internally. Like Blizzard's community team might work entirely differently to the way that Microsoft's community team might work. We've seen how Microsoft's community guys work across social media. We've seen what how they work back office. We've seen how they get what you class as the ambassador program involved in order to foster our own community teams, as it were. Yeah. as well as inter external and internal community teams. So they work in a very different way. Um, now, the community support yeah. guys for um, Activision Blizzard are entirely different. They've got community support specifically for dedicated games. So they've got community support for, 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 for Call of Duty, community support for Fallout, etc., community support for... Um, like all of these different things have dedicated community support guys for yeah. individual games. Now, the vast majority of us will not have seen the community support guys for any of these games because a lot of them work with influencers, work with streamers, work with content creators, and that's the community support roles that they have, not with the wider community, which is an entirely different thing. The wider community are usually on forums or on Twitter or everything else. So it's an entirely different community support role as it were. Um, so, but it depends, it depends on the scale or requirements that they have for, for that particular role. Yeah. I mean, it is a little bit weird to see because Microsoft has always been, or Xbox has always been um, about building communities. That was definitely one of their big strengths you know, having these yeah. um, huge community events, um, the community support, and throughout all those years where they actually lacked first-party support, yeah, this yeah. was definitely the one of the things that kept them um, alive and and uh, made them stand out in the market by how well they built their, their their communities and support the communities throughout all the different games. Um, and so th this is definitely a, a weird one, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it yeah. is. Um, besides that, by the way, um, Blizzard canceled their um, their survival game. We also learned about that uh, code named Odyssey. Uh, everyone was hoping that it will get a big uh, reveal at the Xbox showcase this year. I've seen we've speculated about that. I've seen a lot of other people also hoping to to for a re reveal of that survival game from Blizzard. Um, there are different rumors floating out there that a lot of the staff from that team has been affected. The official statement was that they have been moved over to other future projects of Blizzard. So yeah. what do you think about that, man? 
Um, we don't know the state of that game. We don't know how good that game was or wasn't. All we all we knew was that it was Blizzard's new survival game. Now the the problem you've got with a lot of these MMO slash single player slash live service slash ongoing survival games is that you will know to a certain point whether or not that game is going to work, regardless of how good the because the internal teams, no offense to them. But that's, it's like blowing your own trumpet when you're saying, well, this project was really good and I had so much hope for this game and we were so proud of the work we would. Of course you do. And I've got no doubt that you're very proud of the work you were doing. Mm. And you were super happy to be working on the game that you did. And you had all the faith in the world that the game could be great. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate in that to the wider public. And obviously, internally, they review all of these things. This is why... We had the scale-bound situation. Scale-bound wasn't going to work. Technically, it was never going to work. As a game, it wasn't going to work, so Microsoft cancelled it. Every company does this. The vast majority of the time, however, if it wasn't for the fact that we now have insiders telling us about project names of games that we'd never known about and had never been unveiled, like Odyssey... No, Odyssey was... uh... Revealed. Was the project? Yeah, but they, but they officially revealed that they put out that concept. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Not really the concept art. Yeah, they, we're working, they put out on, a the, they were working game, but... on a survival game project, uh, uh, Odyssey, uh, and we will share more about that in the future. So this, yeah, was but it was. About the, I think the only reason, the only reason, ultimately, they mentioned it in the first place was because insiders had already spoke about it on multiple occasions. I don't if if it was in a world where insiders weren't talking about these projects well before they were announced, we wouldn't have these press releases talking about these projects because they wouldn't tell them about them until it's announced and done. It's part of the problem with modern gaming journalism and modern gaming in the first place is that yeah. we get all of this information way before it's ready to go out to the public, which means, and to be fair, a lot of the stuff... There's a lot, so many titles that we know of now, decades later, that were in the works that we never knew existed. Like, people didn't realize that there was a PS3 version of Gears of War. Yeah. That was canned until way later down the line. Nobody knew about it because nobody talked about it. Nobody investigated that situation. Nobody knew it was being worked on. It came out way down the line. If that stuff was ongoing right today, and they were creating a PS3 version of a Microsoft IP, or sorry, a PS5 version of a Microsoft IP, you'd hear about it five years beforehand. You'd hear about it as the development was starting, <laughs> as the idea was even a concept. That is the, the difference in the in what, what is happening these days. So I, I take it with a grain of salt as, as a project being cancelled because... There's a, probably a lot of projects that have been started and stopped, started and cancelled across multiple studios that we have known about or haven't heard about. Um, the, the, I would only be concerned if it was a game that had its full unveiling. If it was, for instance, they'd unveiled the next World of Warcraft and it had a full trailer and then cancelled it, then you'd be thinking, okay, what happened there? But 
a game that yeah, hadn't yeah. really had its unveiling, hadn't been really shown off, had only just begun its development cycle. If it wasn't going well and it wasn't working and it's been canned, there was a good reason for it. Otherwise, they wouldn't be shipping these people off to different places to work on other projects. If these other projects have more life in them or there is a better chance of these other projects succeeding and that's why they're putting people over to that, then it means that original idea obviously wasn't as good as that team had thought it was. It's a harsh reality, but some artists don't like having criticism about their game that isn't reflective of the quality that they're hoping they produce. Artists are all the same. It's massively. They're all the same. I'm the same. You're hypercritical of the work that you do. You hate hearing the, 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 the negatives, but ultimately you need to hear the negatives. If the game doesn't work, it doesn't work. You need to do something else. <laughs> That's That's, That is true. That is true. Um, we have Luke. Yeah. <clears throat> Pardon me. Uh, Luke in the chat. Um, a shout out to Luke, by the way. Um, who said, well, according to a, a member of the team, um, yeah. uh, that uh, the, the, this was in fact the case that uh, this team got laid off. Um, so it's not that they have been moved over to another project. You say like that's the official weird because according to that member of the team, they're being laid off. According yeah. to Phil Spencer or, or whoever it was, Matt Booty, they said members of that team have been moved on to other projects. So, and this is where I'm saying this, and no offense again to this team member or the, the person that was in charge of that team, but there are certain times in your career where you think you know people and you don't quite know them enough or know them well enough. Those people might be saving face for you so that you don't feel offended that you've been laid off whilst they've been moved on to another project. Yeah. And there is a very great possibility that some of the members of her team have in fact been moved on to another project where other members of her team have actually been laid off. It's a great possibility. The problem is we'll never know this because those people naturally won't speak out because they don't want to offend their former team. They don't want to cause yeah. offense to their former team. They don't want to tell them that they've stayed and remained and retained their work whilst others have been let go. I naturally, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't want to gloat about that to somebody whilst you're in the middle of being laid off or you've managed to secure your job. You just wouldn't. It's it's a harsh thing to hear and you don't want to cause further offense when people are losing their jobs. So you naturally wouldn't. It's, yeah, sometimes, sometimes not telling somebody something like that is better than telling them that because they're like, well, why was I laid off and you weren't? Yeah. That, that causes more of an issue. Yeah, we we don't have the insight right now, um, yeah. so we can at least assume that uh, a part of the team got laid off. Um, and yeah. yeah, it it will be interesting to see um, how Xbox is gonna come out of this. Um, I mean, again, I'm very sorry for all the people affected. Um, sucks, it sucks being laid off. Um, sucks if good ideas get cancelled but that's also like you said the the harsh reality not every game um it's gonna be be a success and um better better move on early and and try to make something that will actually be fun but yeah, yeah. 
Um, in the chat, I, I love our community, but I need to shout out uh, the, the pineapple lovers there. It's, um, <laughs> Pyro Matt sends in a two pound super chat and says, Boxy, I'm paying, say it, pineapple pizza is valid. Yeah, you're kind of forcing me by sending a super chat to say that, but I don't have to agree with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll never force us. It's the only fruit that belongs on pizza is tomato. And that's Correct. it. Yeah. Correct. You can put on salami, right mushrooms, pepperoni. I love pepperoni pizza. Yeah, but not, not pineapple or any other fruit just doesn't belong on there yep that is the only right answer exactly exactly that's why you're my co-host man that's why you're my co-host and pyromat yep. says he's not sorry <laughs> uh, all right um so shout out to you in the chat um even if you enjoy a pineapple on pizza for some weird reason um uh, we hope you enjoy the show, and if you do so, it would be absolutely awesome if you guys, uh, if you could hit the like button. Um, if you're new here, uh, consider subscribing. That's free, and um, let everyone know uh, out there on the Twitter streets or the other social channels that we're live. We have a lot of other things uh, to discuss. We, we're going to stay on this topic of... Um, of layoffs uh, because Microsoft has not been the only company that um, has been laying off um, people. Uh, this week started actually with a, um, uh, a gamesindustry.biz article uh, where different industry leaders predicted uh, that 2024 will be the year of close closures. Um, a lot, a lot of um, investors and um, pu uh, pu public uh, spokespersons of publishers came out and basically the quote from industry.biz is, there are just too many unprofitable businesses in video games this year. Yeah. So what what did we learn this year, this week? Uh, Embracer's um, Gothic and Elex Studio, Piranha Bytes, um, uh, is reportedly uh, facing closure. Um, the CEO said that the studio is in a difficult situation, but uh, fans should not write it off just yet. People can fly, you know. Um, yeah. Great studio, a bullet storm. Yeah. Um, and uh, what was the game two years ago? Um, Outriders. Um, yeah. They cut down 30 deaths uh, this week. Um, then uh, Embraces Black Forest Games. They made the really, really awesome um, remakes of uh, Destroy All Humans 1 and 2. Yeah. Um, they also had to let go 50% of their staff. So, unfortunately, um, the, this is continuing these layoffs uh, we had them in 23 especially second half of 23 we heard of a lot of studios and 24 just starting uh the same way uh square obviously embracer um 
has been laying off a lot of people um, over the last week. So, man, what do you think is going on right now in the gaming industry? Um, it's not just Xbox. It's it's a lot of studios yeah. and publishers yeah. that are facing closures of studios that are reducing their staff significantly. What do you think is, is going on right now in, in the gaming industry, man? Well, I think it's like I say, Microsoft aside, because of course, when you're talking about mergers, that's an entirely different reason for for cutting cutting or laying people off um, than it is financial aspects. Um, with a lot of these companies, absolutely right. A lot of these companies just aren't profitable, or the games or projects that they've worked on or made um, are simply not are not uh, financially um, justifiable. Yeah. Um, is, is the be all and end all. They're just not not creating the the money that they need to do to be classed as a commercial success. Um, that's not to say that the likes of Sega or Square Enix, etc., um, aren't <laughs> aren't being absolutely wild with what they class as being a commercial success because they've got mm. some mad ideas as to what they class as successful. <laughs> they can sell so twenty true. million units. They class it commercially unsuccessful. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's mad. It's a mad situation. But there are a lot of studios that have these grandiose ideas, that spend an absolute fortune, um, and ultimately do not um, do not get um, what they need to. Um, well, should I say, do not generate enough cash to be profitable or to be sustainable? Yeah, um, they go too quickly in terms of the amount of heads that they've got working on. The games that they've uh, they've created, um, yeah, it's just uh, it's yeah, it's uh, it is it is the way of un- unfortunately the way that the the um, that it's that it's petered out, um, and it will continue to be that way when companies are investing in projects that simply aren't justifiable. Yeah. Or very risky. Um, you can understand maybe as an indie developer being extremely, and this is why we don't see as many risks taken with some of these companies for the IPs. Because if this, if it doesn't pan out, and you've spent a hundred million quid on a game, and it makes fifty million back, you're fifty million in the hole, and you've still got the debtors to repay, um, or you've still got to try and find that money in order to pay staff or pay overheads which means you have to do what the likes of Ninja Theory did before they were required and farm out half your studio to work on projects like uh, like Crystal Dynamics has done, um, farmed out half of their studio to work with Microsoft um, on Perfect Dark. In order to, uh, Initially, that was in order to be, of course, sustainable, in order to, to mm. maximize revenue and, and, and generate funds in order to stay afloat. It's just simply extremely costly to be a game developer that isn't attached to a very large organization now. And even those large organizations have to think, listen, yes, we make a boatload of money on the top end, but it doesn't mean that these games in themselves are sustainable. This is what Sony and Microsoft have been saying. Like, yes, Microsoft as a company are a $3 trillion company. Does that mean a game you've spent $100 million on that doesn't generate more than $100 million is classed as a sustain- sustainable Simple. product? Obviously not. 
again, it's it's all about making money, growing money. Um, that's how you can pay for further development. Um, you can't yeah. do that by just recouping the money you spend on a certain game. You have to make certain amount of revenue. You have to make a certain uh, or provide a certain revenue growth to be interested in uh, for investors and whatnot. Yeah, and I think there are multiple factors in the gaming industry right now that come together. Why we see such a widespread layoff spree uh, across all kinds of publishers and studios. Yeah. There is the obvious thing um, about the pandemic. Um, we are still like two years after the pandemic basically ended. Um, and we still see the aftermath of that. Um, gaming crews in such a significant way during the pandemic. Yeah. Everybody staying at home playing games. We've seen record-breaking sales uh, in, in, in hardware uh, during that time frame. And of course, a lot of people or studios were simply hiring to be able to, you know, cater to the, the increased demand. That's definitely one aspect of it. But I don't think that's all. I think one other thing that you also briefly touched upon is simply the fact game development became significantly more expensive for multiple reasons. Uh, this is obviously the time factor. We all know that uh, it's we are we are not in the 360 days anymore, where uh, it it took like two maximum three years to develop a massive AAA title. Now we're talking yeah. about five, six, seven years uh, that it takes yeah. to develop uh, those games, um, and it's not just AAA games. Um, it's also smaller games simply take longer because yeah gaming has grown yeah we expect bigger worlds we expect better graphics we expect wider spread narratives we expect great animations we expect all those kind of things um and that's why it takes so long to make those games and Every day you don't release a game, but you have to pay the salary to your staff to make the game. Obviously makes it harder. Um, so to recoup later the money. Yeah. So selling 10, 10 million copies of a game in, in the year 2024 is not the same like when you sold 10 million copies 10 to 15 years ago of a game. Yeah. It simply won't generate you the same amount of revenue because it all comes down to the fact that game development became more expensive. You have to have better equipment. Like even smaller studios now have motion capture equipment and this and that. I mean, Palworld is a great example of showing that you don't have to have the biggest budget to yeah. be successful. Oh, 10 million of 200 million. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I think... I think someone in the chat correct me if I'm saying something wrong, but I think I read the other day that it costs about 3 million US dollars to make Pal World. So, like, yeah. it's literally nothing. Um, um, but anyway, um, you know what I mean? <clears throat> so, we, we 
the gaming industry as a whole, yeah, kind of, exp uh, and, 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 and the, the gaming audience, we all want those polished experiences. We are, we, we are less forgiving with bugs and whatnot, um, simply for the fact that we are tired of playing unfinished games, you know. But if you think back at the 360 days, games were not bug-free then. Think about something like a Skyrim or even the Mass Effect when it came out, like Mass Effect Andromeda. Well, that was an Xbox One game or, or PS4 game, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, people in the chat are correcting me. They It was $7 million. So, yeah. But anyway, even $7 million is is not really a big budget. It's a super small budget for, for PAL World, yeah? And, and, yeah, we expect polished games. We expect great graphics. We want those awesome animations. We want those this incredible audio design. And all of that takes time and money. And I think... That really is the is is also one of the key factors, um, the, right there. And then again, it is not if you run a business, it is not just about um, about recouping the money you invested in the game, but you need to kind of grow. And the the sheer fact that the gaming industry as a whole has grown yeah. makes it even more risky we have simply more games that are coming out which i'm not complaining i love that we have like 10 to 15 uh, major releases every year and at least the same amount of really good indie games each year but if you think back like i'm a i'm a super old dude yeah um been playing <laughs> for decades yeah, but if I think back at the, uh, uh, when I was a teenager, yeah, when I was 15, 16, 17, that was the during the N64 generation, uh, PS1 generation, we had like two major releases each year. And, and yeah. that's about it. And in, in a really good year, you had three. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and now we are at the, at the stage where... Yes, the gaming industry as a whole has grown, but also also your competition has grown. There are simply tons of games out there. Um, and that also factors into this fact that gaming, make it growing your gaming business has become significantly harder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I don't think that the the install base across all consoles and PC players has grown in the same amount um, with the same percentage than the the amount of gaming studios out there and, and game releases has grown. Yeah. Um, and, and so it, it, I can understand that it will or is struggling to run a studio, smaller studios, particularly. Yeah. Uh, they, they, which are simply crushed underneath all those massive AAA releases. If you have like 10, 15 blockbuster releases each year, yeah, it is simply harder to position AA games. Um, and then you have on the other side, the indie scene, you know? Uh, so you, yeah. if, you, if you're in that AA space, uh, which most of the studios we are talking on and have been seeing layoffs, uh, like people can fly, um, like Piranha Bytes with with games like Gothic and and so on, and they 
they have they are in that double A space and they have this massive competition from above with the gigantic multi hundreds of million dollar budget games. And then you have the competition from below with the smaller indie studios with, with where one, two, three, five uh, f- uh, people make make an awesome game. Yeah. And and you're sandwiched in between. You can't really keep up with the with the super duper games, and you can't. And, and you, then you have um, the the competition from below, and it is it it really is struggling. And I I feel like all these analysts that say that 24 is going to be one of those those years that will be what was the the quote um, um uh, the the year of closures will unfortunately um going to continue yeah um yeah so yeah uh anyway um anything you want to add dutch before we move on no i think that pretty much covers it to be fair i think it is it is going to be one of those years where financially a lot of studios are going to struggle um people hate to hear the word recession they hate to <laughs> hear the word inflation but ultimately with people's wages going up, with inflation, with the cost of living, with the generalized cost of energy, yeah. everything shooting through the roof, like everything is going up. Naturally, we're going to see this affect studios in their costs and the way they do things. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be very difficult for a lot of these studios, but uh, hopefully. Um, a lot of them manage to pull through. They get through the rough times, and they end up in the good times. It's it's going to be it's going to be difficult, but uh, they they can get there. Ah, uh, agreed, agreed. So yeah, that should let us move on from layoffs and studio closures and and all that stuff. Um, and let's talk about uh, something small before we get to about or maybe it isn't even that small as of today apple opened up their store and is allowing now third-party apps uh um gaming apps on there so your likes of xcloud and nvidia geforce uh, can now have a native app on on apple uh on the uh, on on the iphone and we know that microsoft is trying to get into that ecosystem of apple um with with especially with gaming services uh, they also talked about that during the abk acquisition that they want to grow uh, or open up one of those mobile stores to be competitive here with the play store and the, and the um iphone uh, what's it called uh the the uh, the shop on on the iphone um Oh, App Store, uh, the App Apple Store. Store. Apple, uh, yeah. ex- exactly. So, um, yeah, uh, and as of today, um, Microsoft can release the xCloud app natively on there. You you think that's going to move something, do something for them in terms of numbers? Uh, it, I don't know whether or not it will, but I think they might see, you never know, a few thousand or something like that. It depends. You don't know what, like, Apple users are, are usually ingrained into their own yeah. stores. <laughs> they yeah. don't usually like anything that isn't their own product so um that is that is a very good argument they are they are not used to have um uh, anything other else than, than apple products 
Yeah, but this is not about them opening a, 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 another store on, on Apple. This is really about just releasing a native xCloud app. Like there are tons of regular apps you can uh, get through the uh, um, Oh, yeah, but it's, it's ultimately another subscription though, isn't it? Well, you have to have an xCloud subscription. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's Game what I'm saying. Subscription. subscription. They've got so they've got like Apple users, for instance, all the ones that have started looking at gaming have went on to Apple Arcade. Um, it's whether or not they can kind of convince those people who who do use, and that's a, probably a small section who do use Apple Arcade um, to to try out Xbox Game Pass. Hmm. See, I think. Actually, this could be a bigger thing for them than we might uh, think uh, for multiple reasons, honestly. Um, there is there, there are multiple ways to look at this. And um, I think if, if cloud gaming can be successful, it's on Apple. And you know why? Because the Apple users don't get ga gaming support. Yeah, there are a few games on <clears throat> on your in your uh, Apple ecosystem that you can play, like um, Death Stranding was announced last year. Yeah, yeah, you can play that. Um, but but if you want to Resident game, Evil Four, I think it is as well. Resident yeah, Evil there's the like like a handful, but it's really yeah. not. If you wanna wanna play games. You have to get a PC, a Windows PC, yeah. yeah. Um, and and um, but if you are invested in in the Apple ecosystem and you want to play games, uh, I think this is actually a chance to to get a foothold in there because if you're a Windows user, yeah, there is game streaming, but Let's be honest here. It, it cloud streaming didn't do wonders for Microsoft. Like yeah. during the ABK trial, we learned that there was like only a few thousand people in the UK using it. Um, and I would be absolutely surprised if that is in any way, shape, or form different from other markets. Um, most people don't use cloud streaming simply for the fact that they have another option. Um, to play locally, yeah, whether it's on your badass uh, PC or your super weak PC or your console or your Android phone. Um, but I don't think a lot of people are using um, cloud streaming just yet. Um, yeah, we know Nvidia GeForce has been a little bit more successful, simple for the simply for the connection connectivity with um, with Steam. Um, and then, um, but the Apple ecosystem is one ecosystem where users don't have any other options. If you own a MacBook, man, if you own a MacBook and you want to play video games, you got to get a console or, or a PC. Yeah, Those customers of Apple don't have the option uh, other than, of course, playing some mobile games. But who wants to do that, man? Who wants to do that? So, yeah. Um, I think if cloud gaming can be successful uh, in in a meaningful way, it is in that Apple ecosystem. So, 
yeah, we will see. We will see if that's um, going to be the case. Uh, as of today, let's see. Let's see how long it will take uh, Microsoft to to bring a native xCloud app uh, to into the Apple ecosystem. Oh, I think it'll probably pretty much have one almost ready to go. I think they just have to wait yeah, for I would the, assume uh, the so. I would assume so. So yeah, let's let's see what we will hear, hear about that. But then, Dutch, let let us move on. Yeah. Last week, during last week's World of Gaming, um, halfway through our regular podcast, we had the um, we had the Xbox Developer Direct, uh, which I still think about it, man. I I, I rewatched it twice, honestly, because I loved it so much. It was like yeah. one hell of a developer direct with a great looking Hellblade 2, of course, with a really, really awesome looking Indiana Jones and, um, of course, a vowed looking phenomenal. And uh, there was the surprise of Visions of Mana in there. And even how yeah. our history untold um, looked really good for those uh, who enjoy those um, strategy X games on, on PC. So uh, I think I, I've not really seen anything negative about this. There were yeah. the occasional fanboys out there, but you always have them. Um, other than that, it was a, a fan, super fantastic developer direct. We talked about everything we've seen during uh, right after the podcast, uh, after the, the show ended uh, live here on this podcast. Um, which, uh, by the way, a lot of people joined us. Uh, again, thank you. That was awesome. Uh -huh. um, and now, uh, earlier this week, Microsoft released a podcast, the official Xbox podcast. You know, the one that used to have Major Nelson that is now hosted by Jeff Rubenstein and uh, Tina uh, Amani, Amini. Amani? Yeah. Tina. <laughs> and... Yeah. Uh, uh, so, and they had um, the game director of Avowed and the gameplay director of Avowed. They shared a lot of extended footage from the scenes we have seen during the developer showcase and revealed tons of of new um, informations about the game. Uh, it is 25 minutes long or so. Um, of course, I know you've watched it. What did you think, man? What what got you excited? What What news you enjoyed um, that we didn't get during the developer direct. What did you think of this? Like, felt like the extended showcase of the developer extended direct. Extended avowed showcase, yeah. The I extended mean, the avowed showcase, great. yeah. Yeah, game looks great. I'm super excited for it. I was having this discussion last night on our podcast as well and just saying, like, this is the perfect stopgap Obsidian version of a Skyrim before Skyrim yeah. or Oblivion the next Elder Scrolls comes out, and it's it's what I'm really in the mood for, having played Starfield and then went back to playing um, Elder Scrolls Skyrim. I've, I've definitely come to the realisation and, and pretty much cemented in my own head that Skyrim or that the fantasy RPG is definitely more my bag than anything else. Like that is exactly what I'm looking for in a game. High um, fantasy RPG. Yeah, high fantasy RPGs. And I, I, I thoroughly enjoy that more than Starfield 
Um, and there's there's multitudes of reasons for that, but ultimately it's it's for me it's the atmosphere that it creates, it's the ambience of the game, it's the the sense of explorations uh, feels a bit better, and I think that's more because it is a slightly more as much as I like exploring space, it's just a slightly more condensed area with a lot more in it. Yeah. Um, whereas Starfield, although there were areas that were great to explore, it didn't have the same sense of wonder and and um, exploration. I think that stuff that uh, Skyrim did for me, and and that's the kind of wonder I'm looking forward to when we when we boot up about. Ultimately, is I hope the soundtrack is is as good as or oh, yeah. near as good as the likes of Skyrim because this, the soundtrack of Skyrim was phenomenal. Um, yeah, it's just... I'm just really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing more about the game as well, but obviously I don't want to hear too much before it's released. Um, I'm just super excited for it. Yeah? Yeah, you? sweet. No, I really loved the idea of them um, putting out like this extended look at at avowed and a lot of interesting little details they they talked about the glass system yeah um and we speculated about that last week after the developer direct so i had to think uh, about uh, our conversation um how will the glass system work you know um you don't have a like predefined class, you're not like the warrior or the mage or what whatnot, yeah. Um, but it works a little bit more seamless, like similar to to how it worked in Skyrim, where you had yeah. the ability to choose different races. You will have the chance to do that, uh, and that will give you little benefits of your stats. Um, in terms of stamina or health or whatnot. But um, overall, it is defined by how you play the game and where you choose to level up. They also confirmed that there will be a massive skill tree uh, and you will be able to respec. So you can like really try out different play styles uh, and focus on different um, builds, um, yeah, trying dual wielding your wand or working with pistols and shields and and all those things they also talked about the size of the of the aerials um and they again confirmed that they are similar in scope um like they were in other worlds but that there will be more explore exploration in, within these open aerials so yeah. while in in outer worlds you could explore you always knew where to go in in order to find something uh, interesting. Yeah. And this will be different in Avowed. So a lot of things will be easily missable if you don't explore. Um, and I li love that because that is really rewarding you exploring worlds. And that's what... And I don't know if you're, if you're like me, but especially when I get into an RPG or of any kind, it could be like one a little bit more linear, like, like Final Fantasy. It could be yeah. a big open world one like Skyrim. But I, as soon as I get into it, I do not miss a nook or cranny. Like I am, 
any little open gap, any doorway, mm. any hole, any little room or little area I think I can squeeze through, I'll explore and see what's there, see if there's any hidden loot, because I know what developers are like. We'll just hide some random thing in the middle of nowhere that you yeah. just don't expect. And I love that. I love going into some places. And you can know when there's been certain RPGs over the years as well, and I, I can't really bring them at the top of my head, but I do remember them where there's been occasions where I've went into certain areas and they have nothing there. And I'm like, this is such a missed opportunity. Like, why would you create this this random location that's in the middle of nowhere, but there's nothing here? There's no enemies, there's no loot, mm. there's nothing. Um, so I, I love it when developers just put random things, like hide things out in like some random nook and cranny that you wouldn't think to explore. Um, that's the kind of exploration I love. Or coming across some random like um, enemies that you'd never thought that you'd find, and um, yeah, it's I, I can't wait. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I want out of a, a massive um, RPG, an open world RPG. You know, I want I want that sense of exploration. I want to be yeah. because that if you, if you only play along the main storyline. You kind of follow a given path, but I like to 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 go off that that foreseen path and, and trying to forge my own adventure. Um, yeah. <clears throat> that's why I love Starfield so much. You know, like when you only play the main story, you see like five percent of the game, and that's it. Yeah, if at all. Yeah, um, and. Um, Probably only 2% or so. I don't know. Uh, but like wandering off, discovering great side quests, um, discovering great loot that you probably would have missed and then feeling like a badass when you come back to the main uh, storyline because you have that special weapon or that special armor set or, or whatnot. And yeah. I think that is what makes the magic of such um, great RPGs. And I think that is also the fact where that differentiates a good open world game from a great open world game. If you can make that exploration fun and rewarding and not like feeling like like the feeling of, okay, I'm going to check this box on the map and then this box on the map and then that question mark on the map and uh, just to do stuff, but like really discovering things, getting a reward out of it, getting a reward out of like going away from your from the next mainline quest for five hours and do something else. That that is what yeah. if you if you nail that aspect in a game, that's that's what makes the difference of, of good open world to a great uh, um, open world game, and. It's no secret I'm a big fan of Obsidian. Um, they never really miss. They've done so many different great games over the years. When you look at at games like over the last years, Pentiment, Grounded, Outer Worlds, all very different games, all great different games. They all all excelled in storytelling and in the way how player choices affect the 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 way how you play the game. 
Yeah. And this is what I'm really looking forward to because as much as I love Skyrim and I think Skyrim is probably in the top three of best games ever made and there will, it will be very, very hard to dethrone, you know, um, Skyrim uh, here uh, yeah. in, in the top three because it's along with The Witcher, uh, simply a game for the decades. Um, but the yeah. one thing that that I think that could, Skyrim could have done a little better is to make actually player choices matter because yeah. there there was not really a choice in in the way how it really didn't matter that much what choices you made in the game for the outcome of the story but if you think about a game like outer worlds if you think about a game like fallout new vegas if you think about uh, games like the pillars of eternity games it's like um yeah your choices really mattered and it's not always the obvious um reaction of the game like in Outer Worlds, when you you, you you remember that in the very first main mission, uh, you made a choice. It's not not really a spoiler. You you can save a greenhouse yeah, or not. The opening of the game, yeah, it's kind of forced at this point. <laughs> yeah, so it's not really a spoiler. So you make the decision to save a greenhouse or don't save it. And then you will play the game and like 20 hours later takes you at least 20 hours to see the impact of that decision that you made at the very beginning of the game. Yeah. It's these kind of uh, decisions that I love. And I, I, I have the feeling that like we get this Skyrim-esque setting, high fantasy, you know, it, the, the combat looks very similar, of course, a little bit more modernized now, 15 years later. But um, yeah. about is, is, is a Skyrim-esque game in that sense, but then with the unique uh, Obsidian touch, not one gigantic open world, but multiple open areas, like real choices and decisions that players have to make during the course of, of the game and not just in in the main storyline but also in the side quests and making choices in optional side quests will also affect the mainline quests and this yeah. is what obsidian does so well and they also reconfirmed that in the in the um uh, podcast uh, xbox podcast the extended avowed showcase or whatever you want to call it um they they emphasize that that this is this non-linear progression um, that we will get in uh, in about. So yeah, man, I'm super excited, and then they've shown a lot of new footage as well. Yeah, like they've shown a little bit of how you can swim, dive, and discover caves if you dive underwater. It's like this kind of exploration that we can expect, and um. I'm still surprised by the visuals, honestly. I think the game looks stunning. After, And I think this was one of the biggest criticisms after they have shown it for the first time last summer. And yeah. I particularly looked back that trailer, watched that trailer again, the old trailer from summer, the summer showcase last year. And now I look at the footage that they've shown at the developer direct. 
and it's a night and day difference. Yes, it's still not this dark and gritty world that we expected after the original reveal of the game back in, I want to say 2020, where they shown the CGI trailer where the world was really dark and gritty. And it's still a colorful world. It's not a happy place, yeah, but it's a colorful yeah. world, popping, colors are popping, yeah, bright sunlight, um, colorful enemies. Um, they are not aiming for that super high realistic um art style it's 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 stylized art style that they're going with 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 all these colors in a lot of diverse um, environments and but but it looks phenomenal man the water effects look great the textures are really sharp like um good animation work good good lighting and particle work this is this one game i'm i'm super excited man i don't know want to add something no, I, I completely agree. I'm just really excited to get a hold of it, and I'm 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 really in the mood now to to dive into another Elder Scrolls esque game, into another fantasy, a high fantasy RPG. Like I'm really in the mood for it now, um, and one that is a little bit more condensed and not as as much as I love The Witcher, as much as you love The Witcher. Yeah, it's huge. It you is. want kind of a, something a little bit. A little bit more forgiving on it on the time scale. <laughs> where, oh yeah, where you can you can have fun, you can have this great adventure, but it's not three hundred hours. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. So, yeah, um, they also talked about that uh, probably thirty to thirty-five hours for yeah. a regular playthrough, which is is, is a good time. I mean, I think, you know, like a 10, 15 hour game can be super fun, but not if it's an RPG, because it takes you a while till you are like invested in the world and the characters and the way how to progress and do certain things. It just takes time. This is what we love about these open world uh, RPGs. Yeah. But uh, so, so I think like a 30, 35 hour playthrough is like a sweet spot for that. It's not a super yeah. duper hundred hour plus investment you have to make. Yeah. Um, no, um, really looking forward to it. And since we are on the topic of games that have been shown at the developer direct, um, we've had yes. a, or we have seen a lot of discussions out there about Indiana Jones. There are people out there absolutely loving what they've seen. I've seen also yeah. people like especially criticizing the graphics. And the fact that it's first person, um, I can understand. I can kind of understand people being upset that it's first person. What I can't understand is people talking about the graphics. <laughs> like, I don't understand how you can possibly think that doesn't look good. I don't in any in any world. I don't understand how somebody can think that doesn't look like a great looking game. Me neither. Um, I I was <laughs> like, I, I've seen I've seen this, and you know the. Yeah, yeah. Typical suspects uh, of of media yeah. sites made that out to be like, especially the characters in the game were criticized. Like, yeah, faces looking not from this gen and, nah, and stuff to, like to that. To me, the faces looked absolutely brilliant, and and the level of detail they had in some of the things, like the saliva in the in the mouth of the protagonist and. Um, 
and and the sweat rolling down his head and dropping onto his onto his like cheeks and things like that. Like there was a level of detail there that a lot of people didn't even pay attention to. I do agree. I do agree. I loved uh, the way how it looks. The the art style just nails. You know this this feeling of um, of Indiana Jones. Um, it. The, the 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 lighting is great texture work is great the animation work is great i don't know what what, what to complain about this and it's pro they, they still haven't confirmed officially but we all assume it's running on it engine so um i expect that game to be absolutely at 60 fps and if i get that fidelity at 60 fps man i'm one happy guy I'm one happy guy. What do you say about the first person aspect, though? Um, again, I think if it was all first person and you never saw indie, I would have an issue. Mm. The fact that they've kind of had a middle ground with it um, and they've put it in like first person and third person. So first person for the shooting and combat and puzzle solving, third person for the climbing and all of this stuff and the action sequences. I could, you know what it is, I can deal with that. That's absolutely fine. I think the only time I think I would have had an issue is if you didn't see any of it ever and it was literally just all first person. I think then it would have been a case of, okay, so like, what's the point in getting Indiana Jones' like face on here if you can't see it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the only time I would have had an issue. But aside from that, I mean, there's, there is nothing to complain about. I do agree. Um, listen, I actually like the fact that they went with uh, first person because yeah. it differentiates the game. If they would have chosen third par a person across this, is and we all expected that. Uh, in the pre-show last week, we talked about it. Yeah, we expect this to be like a Tomb Raider game, like an Uncharted game. This is the, the very obvious thing to do. If they would have gone, yeah. that, gone down that road, honestly, all we would see is like direct comparisons towards an Uncharted and then towards yeah. an, a Tomb Raider and, and, and such games. And... um. Um, with them choosing first person, um, they differentiate themselves. We haven't had an, such a, a such a game in first person. You know, this Treasure Hunter. They have all been the Uncharted's and and Tomb Raiders have always been third person. And I like that they chose to, choose to do. Okay, this is our game. This is a machine game. Yeah. Yeah. Machine game game. Machine uh, <laughs> game game. Uh, <laughs> And it's, I like that um, because they with that they can do their thing, and what they've done so yeah. far with the Wolfenstein games is a great thing, and if they continue that spirit into into an Indiana Jones game in first person, I'm all up for it. So, yeah, I don't I don't have a problem with that. Um, this way it stands out, and it looks yeah. awesome. And the rumors say, by by the way, it's a September release. You think that's realistic? I'll take September. I'll take September. Yeah, me too. 
Me too. So, cannot wait. All right, Dutch. One other thing. Um, yes. We were staying with Xbox for a moment there. Uh, there was an announcement about a new indie game uh, program from uh, Xbox this week. Yes, there was. So, tell us, Dutch, what, what makes this new indie game uh, program so special? You, I mean, you are our indie... <laughs> and I don't mean Indiana Jones. Uh, I mean yeah. indie games uh, expert. Uh, obviously, you're working already game, yeah. hard working on on the this year's indie community showcase, which is yeah. April. You said right? It is. Yeah, it's April. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, this this indie program that they've announced is essentially harkening back to the good old days of um, Xbox Live Arcade, where they yeah. highlighted. Uh, essentially the the best of what the indie um indie offerings uh brought essentially um and uh, and highlight these these gems because the problem is is there's that many indie games these days is a lot of them just get overlooked and you don't know what the 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 gems these hidden gems are you can't find them very easily you have to rely on word of mouth so what this does is it's Xbox curated hidden gems, essentially. These are the ones they'd recommend. Okay, out of all of the indies we've got in here, these are the, the top picks that we recommend people try out and play. Essentially, so you, it, it boosts some of these, these, these games out there so that people can pinpoint them, find them, and play them. Um, so yeah, it's it's good. It's good. It's it's providing more visual aspect to the to the indie devs and that are available there and and some games that we might overlook. Um, both stores are, are absolutely crowded with games these days. And if you have a look at recent yes, release, if you have a look at recent released on the Xbox Store now, there's probably 50, 60 games. You you probably only thought of about three or four that have recently released or recently releasing, and or they always. What comes to mind is the big guys, the big triple A's, the double A's. That's what comes to mind. People don't really think of the recent release as all of these little indie games that are dropping yeah. out left, right, and center. Um, and because of that, people overlook it because they just go to the store, they find the big games, and they jump out. But now having a dedicated and curated section specifically for idea at Xbox games, the, the, the highlighted ones uh, allows the visibility of these games to stand out a little bit more. Yeah, I agree. Um, like you said, the indie scene has exploded over the last years. Um, and um, it, it, there are certain indie games that really take off uh, virally on, on the social channels. Yeah, um, But most of them get overlooked. Is, especially since we talked about this earlier. Yeah, With all... The many many triple A games like we get at least one major triple A game every month, sometimes two. Uh, in between that, we get tons of double A games and of course some indie games, especially if they don't have that, you know, sidegeist uh, that uh, that uh, some or a lot of people start to talk about it on the social channels. They tend to get overlooked and. It's, it's kind of hard if you're trying to find like, okay, I'm in the mood for a, a good indie game, smaller game, 
you know, maybe for to to be played in between two bigger games that you're playing, where to go? Yeah, where to go? You could listen to some good indie game channels, like our good friend, the Indie Gamer, always has a good recommendation yeah. of indie games out there. But of course, not a lot of people do that. Um, and this is definitely a chance to highlight some of these, like you said, hidden gems. So good stuff. Um, looking forward to see see it in action, man. Um, Dutch, let us yeah. talk about with The Witcher 4. Um, CD Projekt Red um, talked about the next Witcher, so Witcher 4, um, uh, this week, and actually Cyberpunk 2. Um, they said uh, that The Witcher 4 is going to continue uh, enter uh, full production uh, this year. They expect to have... Um, <clears throat> uh, the Well, the game has been in, in development for, for quite a while now. Um it's uh, it's been in, in development for um multiple years in the pre-production state yeah like prototyping and everything and they want to move it over to full production which is where you bring yeah. in like the the main team you know all the artists creating the assets the audio gets worked out and everything you don't do that in early stage of a game where you trying to figure out what the game will be, what will be the scope, what will be the story, what will be the uh, the core gameplay mechanics, how we will you build the world, what, what makes it differentiate towards last entry, and so on. This is not full production phase. Full production is, is when you bring in the big team. Uh, they said they, are, they have now already 330 developers working on the game, and uh, the quote is uh, from Mr. Badowski, um, <clears throat> from from CD Projekt Red, um, we want to have around 400 people working on the project by the middle of the year yeah. with an expected release date either in 26 or 27. So it's now like full production, takes about good two years. Uh, so we're talking here about uh, a possible release in 26, um, maybe 27. So yeah. what do you think about this? Uh, I mean, I remember an interview with Todd Howard where he said like full production of, of their games usually only takes about a year, maybe a year and a half. Uh, and then yeah. you add, of course, like a certain phase of polishing upon uh, that. But yeah, uh, The Witcher 4, 26, 27 game um, and full production as of this year. What are your thoughts? Uh, hallelujah. Um, <laughs> looking forward to playing it. Um, it's going to be very interesting. For me, it's going to be very interesting to see um, how they do the move to Unreal Engine 5 and how that translates. Um, that, to me, is the biggest one out of a lot of them. I, I'm very intrigued to see how they handle that and how, how good the studio can make a Witcher game on Unreal. Um, so, yeah. I'm excited for it. Um, it's sooner than I thought, to be honest. Um, yeah, me too. I was kind of expecting it to be a little bit further. Me too. But then, well, um, CD Projekt 
has grown significantly over the last years. I mean, Cyberpunk was a 2020 release, yeah. So a release yeah. in 26 um, seems like, or 27 is six, seven years after the, the launch of, of Cyberpunk. And um, when you go back and think about The Witcher 3, um, which was, uh, what was The Witcher 3, 2015, I want to say. Yeah. Uh, I should know that, man. When was, 20, when, when was The Witcher? I think, um, Witcher th no, 2016. It was 2016. Yeah. Um, so they had like four years in between Witcher 3 and Cyberpunk. Now they have yeah. six, seven years in between Cyberpunk and Witcher. They have multiple teams now, actually multiple studios now across the world. And it's multiple Witcher projects. Uh, they announced like two spin-off games from the main series. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it kind of makes sense. Um, yeah, at, at some point they want, need to generate some income again, yeah, which they haven't done um, uh to the same extent as if you would release in a more regular cadence. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it sounds good to me, man. And obviously I'm super excited. I love The Witcher, one of the best games ever made and um, cannot wait to see where they will take it. I also think like 26, 27 is a, is a good, probably a good year to release such a, a game. You know, we are yeah. nearing the end of this generation by the by that time. Uh, so you have high install base, um, which obviously helps driving sales. You also have enough enough time to like really get to know all the tools and everything. The console hardware um, will be known by then, and it's um, yeah, I, I cannot wait, man. They also talked about Cyberpunk 2, um, which is all right now uh, really in, in pre-production. And there was, I've seen a lot of people talk Ooh. about that. They, they have like about 80 people working on the next Cyberpunk game right now. And um, a lot of two, people for pre-production. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. And they said, they are exploring to use AI in development, which is always like controversial for some reason. Yeah. But it's the obvious thing to do in game development um, and use these tools. Um, it's just another tool. They have like, for, for decades now, there have been tools out there that help generate assets um, for games. And... AI is, is basically just the next step in in, in that uh, evolution uh, of of tools that help creating assets for for games. So I I, I don't mind yeah. do them doing that. But there was also like a statement that where people said uh, they are well I don't want that. They are looking into multiplayer aspects for the next next isn't there a multiplayer project though there is a multiplayer project yeah uh it was originally intended to to release a like a standalone multiplayer cyberpunk game 
and they made it sound now that they are looking into like implementing the multiplayer uh, or a multiplayer aspect in in the next cyberpunk so what do you think mm. man oh, i'd love the multiplayer aspect in cyberpunk i'd love it I think Cyberpunk was an ideal world for that. I think it depends on how you're doing multiplayer. I don't think PvP I'd want, but I'd love a co-op. Yeah. I'd love co-op in Cyberpunk. I think co-op in Cyberpunk would be fantastic. Um, like If you imagine like you're doing heists together or big missions together or even some of the side quests and things like that when you're hunting cyber cycles and like, I think the the universe as a... And if you have a look at keep forgetting the name of the anime that they released um yeah i know what you mean um the netflix series um yeah if you have a look at that it's a team of them it's a team of all these guys and they're going around and doing these missions together and these heists and things like that um that aspect that that idea that that series brings kind of elaborates on on what a co-op essentially could be um, I think that would be cool. I think yeah. it'd be really cool. I agree. Um, I could see uh, co-op aspect um, being really fun in that game. What I don't want them to do is the first thing you said, PvP, and especially I don't want them to go down into into the GTA Online, you know, scenario. Um, yeah, I don't want to be cyberpunk 2 to be the next gta online or their take on on a gta online thing um but yeah having having this as a as a co-op game um why not the this world definitely uh invites you to do to play it as co-op yeah you could play story missions in co-op could explore the world in co-op um why not um so yeah CD Projekt Red sounds pretty busy these days. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's it's going to be a while till we see the next Witcher game and even longer before you see the next Cyberpunk game. But yeah, I was also like surprised about a possible uh, release in 26 or 27 because I thought I even thought this was even further out. So yeah. Um, and Pyro in the chat says it's cyberpunk edge runners exactly yeah that's the one Thank that's you. the that's the series yeah, yeah so uh, dutch um you can't keep your hands off the controller with pal world um yeah and uh, a lot of people don't see that pal world uh, is a massive breakout hit obviously you all have seen it uh, like every day they report record-breaking numbers think it's the on, on place two uh, on steam of most concurrent uh, players ever um yeah only behind PUBG. um obviously smash out hit uh, i think they are at around eight million as of today copies sold if if i'm not mistaken i mean this is what happened yesterday it was seven million when i started the podcast and eight million when i finished it so yeah. so there we go there we go yeah <laughs> um like a super massive hit um obviously yeah. um xbox immediately started bundling um pal world with with uh, the series s in korea in south korea um and 
this is obviously a, a super successful game and something probably no one has expected to be such a massive hit. Um, great get for them on, on on Game Pass. Obviously, it's it's only a timed exclusive and it will eventually come to other consoles as well. It's now available on Steam. It's now available through Game Pass. You have been playing it like crazy. And there's also a big controversy around that game. Not just about it being such so successful, but also of apparently the game copies a lot from from other games. And some people really love it. Others uh, hate it for that. Um, that what, what is your take? You, you are the better person to speak about that. Um, what do you think? Is this a copycat? Uh, what, what do you make of this whole controversy around Pale World? Yeah, there's no, there's no con- controversy. The, the, the person who, well, the original person who uh, pretended or at least uh, said that the meshes matched, etc., etc., um, also then later came out and said that he'd resized the meshes in order for them to match. Um, so they didn't. The, the polygon counts weren't the same. The hex wasn't the same. The shapes weren't the same. So it, it wasn't a like-for-like like copy. It isn't a like-for-like like copy. <laughs> yes, some yeah. of the creatures look very similar, but ultimately when you're designing creatures based on normal things, i.e. a wolf based on a Japanese wolf, and you're trying to design that as a creature, you're going to come up with very similar products at the end of the day mm. or very similar-looking animals. And there's a lot of them that will look the same. There's a lot of dragons are going to look the same. They're going to, of course, they're going to take inspiration from some of the ones we've seen, but it doesn't mean that they've copied like for like. And you can't, you can't in gaming do for likeness. There is no such thing as doing for likeness. Otherwise, yeah. every Zelda um, clone is going to get done for it. Every FIFA, every football clone, every racing game is going to get done for it. You can't do anything about likeness. So. I mean, Digimon was around the same time as Pokemon. They haven't been at each other's necks. Then you have a look at Nexamon, which is also another Pokemon clone, which is also great. They haven't been done. Then you have a look at Temtem, which is another Pokemon clone, and nobody mentioned that. The only reason people are mentioning this and going off the handle about it is because of its popularity. If any of those other games that were also Pokemon clones were anywhere near as popular as what pal world is right now they would be getting the same flack well look at this they're copying they're doing x y and z they're taking the best of what they think and what has inspired them the likes of zelda and Ark and pokemon etc amalgamating them together to create a fun game and it's clearly they've got a, a low budget it's not the the cleanest of products as much as i'm enjoying it it's not the cleanest of products but it's a fun game, and ultimately, that's what you want to design. You want to design a game that's fun to play, and that's what they've done. Um, they've got an addictive gameplay loop, um, and that's essentially what they'll they'll maintain and try to kind of uh, build upon going forward. So, um, yeah, it's like I say, all the best of them. I think it's just conflated. I think it's a lot of a lot of, um, especially they've mentioned things like AI, um, and AI wasn't used. What they said was the, I think, in one thing they said they'd they'd used ai to generate um 
uh, like an, an idea for a Pokemon, and then they took that idea and elaborated upon it. Mm. What they haven't done is just used AI to make Pokemon or make pals. Um, they have used it to get a good an idea of creating different things. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like you say, it's a, it's a, it's all a bunch of nothing. Um, and the only reason the Pokemon Company have released a statement is because, and if you read the very beginning of it, we've been made aware by a lot of people who have sent us messages. So they're basically just addressing the messages more than they are the actual actual mm. ac- ac- accusations. Yeah, that's true. not that's saying true. anything's actually happening. Yeah, see, I haven't played the game, so I can't really talk about it, but tell me one game that hasn't, has not taken inspiration from other games. Like, yeah, exactly. It's... it's it, which which game in the last decade came out and you were playing it and you said, okay, this is something I have never played Absolutely before. Absolutely brand new, never been done before. Yeah. yeah, Maybe the occasional indie games have done certain things, um, but it's at the very end of the day, every game takes inspiration from other games and that's a good thing. Yeah, um, if, if there is a formula that works, why not use it? Uh, perfect yeah. it more, make it better, combine different um, systems or mechanics from different games that made that were simply fun in other games. Combine them together, um, uh, 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 make an evolution out of them. Yeah, uh, improve them. Whatever. Um, I don't see e- that as a problem. Um, that's. Yeah. It's a normal thing that every game does, and just because one game ha- is successful with it, yeah, right, um, doesn't make it a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. People so, just don't like the fact that it's successful, essentially. And yeah, I mean, they, they might hate hearing that, but that is ultimately the truth. I just don't think people like the fact that it's it's successful. Absolutely, they don't like the fact that it's it's overshadowing Pokemon. They, they don't like the fact that. A multi-billion-dollar corporation has been embarrassed by an indie studio on how to make a Pokemon game that's revolutionary. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's what they don't like. And I'm as, as someone who's played Pokemon since the OG Game Boy, and every Pokemon and every Nintendo since. The the, the formula has grown a little bit stale. I enjoyed Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. The problem with that game, though, is it was riddled with bugs and issues on a technical front, but it also didn't revolutionize the game in itself. It was a nice world. I like the raid system and things like that in it, and the the and the the way that they do the gyms is a little bit different. But ultimately, uh, it was nothing really too different to what they'd already done before. Mm-hmm. They added multiplayer in there, proper co-op multiplayer in there as well, which is good. Um, but on a technical front, and this isn't really just specifically down to the developer, I think a lot of it bears down on Nintendo themselves, is the hardware isn't capable yeah. of creating something good enough yeah. to, to really revolutionize the game. Yeah. People can talk about Zelda and things as much as they like, but Zelda doesn't have an online co-op system. Zelda doesn't have a, a world that is always changing. Zelda doesn't have a world where the the it has weekly um, bosses that appear out of nowhere and ever changing monsters that appear yeah. on the map at any one point. Yeah, it true. doesn't have an online system like Pokemon does. So it the 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 net code and things like that that go into a game like that 
that would hinder the performance in comparison to a completely single-player game like Zelda that doesn't have a net code or any net issues because it doesn't require it. Um, there's different technical aspects to it. Also, Zelda has nowhere near as many things on screen at any one time. You might get four or five enemies, but you'll get four or five enemies, and then maybe 300 meters away, you'll have another set of two enemies. Yeah. On Pokemon, yeah. the new ones specifically, the vast majority of the time, there's a significant amount of uh, creatures or Pokemon on screen at any one time, and they're always coming into play, and they're always there, and there's always something happening, and there's always AI. So it's it's a bit different. Um, there's yep. a lot of technical aspects behind the new Pokemon that is very well hindered by the hardware, massively hindered by the hardware. Yeah. Time for the Switch 2, man. It's time for the Switch oh, 2. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Un- when do you think, by so. the way, will that be revealed? I mean, we all expect it this year. Hopefully sooner than later, because I yeah. need one. I, 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 That's the only console I have in my possession that is in dire need of a new version. Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree there. Um, Thanoros in the chat says, Outer Wilds is the most original game I've played this decade. Uh, but it was inspired by Majora's Mask. Yeah, that was a yep. very original game indeed. When when I said it, I thought about it for a second, and the first game that came to mind that really did something new was for me Fall Guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know... Uh, that was okay. was definitely different uh, than than a lot of pe- games out there. But yeah, definitely different. I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah. There's been and saying that actually, there's there's been so many Fall Guys clones since. There's one that's just went out to Xbox, not yes. like literally this week, called Stumble Guys. I, it's ex- exactly the same thing. And nobody's so playing it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So many of them. Yeah. But no one's saying anything. No one's saying, oh, look at this Fall Guys clone. Which... Look at this. They need to do, they need to sue them. Why? That's Why? always the problem, you know. When PUBG was so super popular, like two years later, there were all those PUBG clones coming out of nowhere. And it's like you can't copy that this kind of success. You you can't, simply can't. Yeah. There are certain games that come out at a certain time and they just hit the zeitgeist. And everyone starts yep. playing them and they go viral. And that's what's happening with Pal World right now. That is what happened to Fall Guys. That is what happened to, to Pal World. It took Call of Duty and EA and Epic to make their versions, three big major AAA yeah. companies to make their versions in order to go against an indie company that made PUBG. Yeah. So that they can have a competing battle royale. Yes. That's what it took. Absolutely. So if, if Pal and World is the is the arch for, for the Pokemon company to go and invest properly into that franchise and revolutionize it, then I then great. Yeah. Because that's ultimately what we want is for them to take this and go, look at what they've done with this franchise. They've turned it into to a survival RPG yeah. with monsters catching and base building and all we've got to do is is think along those lines and revolutionize our game and make it our game with our pokemon yeah and the way we want to do it with gyms and all of that stuff 
just take it as inspiration do exactly the same thing well done pal world you've taken what we've done you've made it your own and now we need to do the same we need to go back to the drawer on board we need to figure out what you did that made people love it so much and we need to, to take it away now what we don't want to see ultimately is pokemon come back and just add guns and crafting because that yeah. is just like for like then you're just doing okay that is exactly what made this game popular we're going to do the same thing yeah yeah that then that becomes okay that's copy that's a copy yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah like yeah. you said in the very beginning actually there is no controversy um it's just the natural things or thing that games take inspiration they mature a certain formula they evolve a certain formula and that's all that there that this is um let us get to one more topic uh before we get to the community questions man and it is an interesting one uh because the sony's ceo so we're mo we, we're moving on over now to, to sony uh for the for uh, this topic uh the sony ceo talked about um the future of PlayStation. Yeah, uh, he came out and explained the strategy and said that PlayStation will be on PC, it will be on cloud, and it will be on mobile. Yeah. Um, so, look, sounds very, very, very familiar to what we have um, heard from a certain other company. Yeah, and people didn't like it yeah they said like there's no reason to buy the console anymore um they didn't want to be on mobile but the sony ceo says absolutely of course we will be on pc cloud and mobile that's our strategy but he also re reiterated on subscription services and the company's belief on that that they are not sustainable because now listen to this dutch people play one game at a time And that's the reason why subscription services are not uh, the way to go. So, what do you think, man? On the one hand, very, very similar approach and what Microsoft has been doing for years now. And they, on the other side, really not believing in subscription services. Well, what do you think? And what do you think about the explanation, man? What was this? Sorry, say it again. They don't believe in subscription services because, quote people play one game at a time no that's not true <laughs> maybe some people play one game at a time i do not <laughs> i usually do i know a lot of people that don't either because but it and this is where I don't, got it taken it doesn't matter is, it, honestly it sounds, I'm, yeah yeah sorry please uh, I, i was interrupting no, that's all right i was going to say and it sounds odd to to say this as a reason But with regards to specific mental health conditions like ADD, ADHD, etc., there are certain times where you, specifically me, I'm just, I'll be, da -da 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 -da, and I'm like, oh, there's such and such, and then I think about such and such, and that because of my brain trailers on that other thing, I'm like, pause, stop, play this other game. This is what I want to play now because yeah. my brain has said that I want to play this game. So I'm playing that game. Regardless of whether or not I was playing this game, I think about the other one. I want to play that game. And I could do that constantly. Oh, no, I'm playing this one now. No, I'm playing this one. And I'll have four or five games on the belt at any one time. If I have a look at my quick resume right now, uh, my games and apps, quick resume. 
Power World, Final Fantasy Re, uh, Reunion, Alan Wake 2, Final Fantasy 7, Avatar, Frontiers of Pandora. They're all in my quick resume. <laughs> they're go. all games I have got open and ready to play at any drop of a hat because they're the ones I'm playing right now on Xbox. Um, and there's multiple people that do that. Like yourself, you'll be playing a game on Xbox, but on your Steam Deck, you'll be playing something entirely different. And on something else, you'll be playing something entirely different. I don't have a but Steam game... Deck, man. Oh, I, have, I have the good one. I, I have the good I one, you know. Yeah, oh, but now, now people, I'm getting hate probably. Play but... different games at the same time, like multiple games, because sometimes you're in the mood for one thing yeah. and then another day you're in the mood for another thing. And that's what it happens. And especially when. If you're, for instance, playing a huge, huge game and it's taking up so much of your time and at, at some point throughout that game, whether or not you're loving it, you'll think, I need a little bit of a palate cleanser right this second. I'm yeah. going to chuck this little indie game on and I'm going to spend a few hours playing this nice little indie game and then that just, yeah, just solves, yeah. like brings me back down and then I'm ready to go again on this big open world or big, huge game that I've been playing that I love. Um Sometimes you just need that. I think it's it's. I think it's a little bit disingenuous to think that only people play a singular game at any one time. I don't think that is. I don't think that ever occurs. I know far too many people playing far too many things. The average consumer will probably have at least two games that they play at any one time. Mm. It will be a shooter and a sports game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's true. Like. I'm I'm not the kind of guy that plays like really multiple games at the same time. I have my go-to yeah. game, which is obviously H4. I will boot yeah. that up whenever. Yeah, uh, play one, two, three matches in between. But as of like main games, I play one at a time. Um, yeah. yeah, right now I'm playing Prince of Persia, and. I'm, I wouldn't have the time or, or or the 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 head to play. I don't know a game like Avatar in parallel and then play like I, yeah. I start a game. I usually finish my games like ninety nine percent of the games that I play longer than two hours. I actually finish um, and then move yeah. on to the next game. So yeah. everyone's different in that regard. Um, what I do not get is the connection towards subscription services. Me playing yeah. one game at a time. So if I look now, uh, yeah. I think people are trying, like, I was think playing people are just, trying to say, why do you need so many games? Do you think <clears> is that what they're trying to say? Why do you need so many I don't games? Know. Why, do, why do subscriptions need that many games? I don't know. That are they open it, because it really doesn't make sense games. to me. Like, that's exactly my, 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 what, why I love a subscription service. I play one game at yeah. a time. I open up Game Pass. I if I look back at the last three weeks or so, yeah. So what did I do? Finished Avatar, obviously not in Game Pass, uh, but then I was like, okay, I need something smaller. I downloaded Chusant, loved it, yeah. played it, finished it in five six hours. You know, yeah. Moved on. Next game, downloaded the next game, which was Spirit of the North two, and yeah. um, finished that. Then I. Uh, played Robocop, finished that. Now I'm playing Prince of Persia, finishing that, downloading the next game, and so on. You How know, long I, is Spirit of the North 2, by the way? Because I've been, I've got that uh, downloaded. One, one. I was playing one in preparation for two. Sorry. Ah, right, okay. Yeah, yes. Two, two yeah. is not How out long yet. Is, How long is one? Sorry. How long is one? Because I've got it downloaded as well. Seven, eight hours. Depending oh, on okay. how smart you are. 
Okay. Because there are a lot of riddles <laughs> in there, and uh, it you could you you would probably finish it a little faster than I would did because they were like they were like they were like two or three of those things and and they were so simple to solve but like i was like running around you know and it was like geez what the fuck do do i need to do uh and i usually don't mind looking stuff up in the internet you know if i'm stuck at a game but not in a riddle game you know because that's like that's like cheating um <laughs> is that how you feel that's you how like i feel you know like i was also stuck in prince of persia at a certain boss um and it was like damn how do i beat that boss uh so i looked up uh you know um on youtube a video or two how they did it but then i still had to do it it, it was not like okay press this and this button and then uh, yeah. move on. Um, it was still a challenge to actually do uh, beat uh, the to, to to beat the boss. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. So yeah. And then what what do you say about Sony's plans on being on PC, cloud, and mobile? Sounds very right. very familiar, right? So yeah, that's because that's exactly where the market is. Uh, they've been, I mean ultimately they've they've understood that that they've seen the impact that their games have had on PC they know that it's performing there and it will continue to perform there now the only way you can get better at performing on PC is by consistently releasing on PC and building a user base there now ultimately all they need to do is just get used to porting their games over there because it's not difficult uh, sorry it's not yeah. easy it's it's Certainly, they need to get a good team in place. They've got Nexus there, but they, for some reason, keep using other companies instead of just Nexus. Yeah. Um, but they need they, to they just essentially what I would fire fire something fire sprite or so. They are also yeah. PC porting company. Yeah. But they what they need to do ultimately is invest a little bit more into fire sprite and Nexus, expand their teams so they're pretty sizable, and just get them working on the PC ports of the games in conjunction with. The um, the the releases on PlayStation Five, so they both release at the same time. They both do the same thing, um, and and make sure that the quality is in line with what they're releasing on PlayStation Five in terms of its performance. Technically, um, ultimately, the only thing that's hindering them personally at the moment is the technical performance of the games that they're releasing on PC. They miss like hit and miss. Sometimes they release the games and they're absolutely flawless. Other times they release the games and they're an absolute mess. Um, so they need to, to work on that. They need to really improve the the quality of some of the PC ports that they're producing. And if that's... Uh, I tend to find, and this is no offense to Fire Sprite, but you tend to find the games that have been ported by Nixus have no issues. The games that have been ported by Fire Sprite have. Yeah. So... There's obviously a difference, a quality difference between those two teams, and that's probably something I, see, I, I, I feel like this is a statement that's, that is half-assed, like their commitment to subscriptions, because they still yeah. want you to buy PS Plus, but they literally yeah. tell you, oh, we don't really believe that this is a good service, you know? Um, yeah. And I feel like that's feel very similar with, with their... PC and cloud and mobile efforts because 
um, we have not seen any efforts in in terms of mobile. At least yeah. none that I know of. I don't know if I missed something, but there's not no efforts in mobile. I don't know where this is coming from. Yeah, then uh, with Microsoft, you could argue they have at least tried to bring, you know, a native cloud app to mobile to get people to play on that. They have now invested $70 billion uh, in, in an acquisition that is mainly about mobile. Um, yeah. ABK was not about Call of Duty. ABK was about uh, King and, and the mobile part of it. Um, uh, first and foremost, at least. And um, uh, so they have at least showed some effort there. You know, um, cloud the native cloud app is out now for four or five years. So there, there, is, yeah. there is an effort on mobile for, on, on their regard. Um, then you yes. have then you have PC. Xbox is absolutely committed to PC. Uh, um, yeah. They bring their games day and day to PC. Yeah, they have crossplay, cross save across PC and console. Um, at least their first party games, obviously. Uh, th- there is an, a legit effort from them, and they are committed to bringing games to PC. Now we've yeah. seen not just better and worse ports from PlayStation games coming to PC, but they are not coming day and date. They are not yeah. coming. They are not coming um, 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 with cross save functions. Uh, yeah. yeah uh, or, and, and particularly not uh, like cross buy, you know, you, you, you don't have to, to buy Starfield uh, um, on Xbox and PC. You get one version and you, you can play it on either. Like that's a real commitment and effort to make PC game a thing. At least Xbox has a native app on there. Like, a, yeah, they, yeah. It, whether it's good or not is, is, is another discussion. Yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. but there, yeah. there is an effort there. Sony has no storefront whatsoever on PC. They only yeah. release their games like years after they launched on consoles. There's really no effort. So I really didn't get the this statement from Sony's CEO that the, this is their big future. We have not seen any efforts uh, in regard to that. And I feel like this is a, just a half-assed commitment like they did with, with their subscription service where they don't bring their games day and date. Um and not make the the subscription service the thing to 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 get you know um there's it's i canceled my ps plus subscription um i had it for a year and uh that the problem is that, that because there are no first party releases day and date I still ended up buying god of war and horizon forbidden west and spider-man 2 and so on so and none of these games are multiplayer either. Uh, so there's really yeah. no reason to get PS Plus because the games that are in PS Plus are also in Game Pass. But with Game Pass, yeah. um, I I get day-and-date games um, that I don't have to buy um, and save me a bunch of money. You know what I mean? And this is... Yeah. And, and I feel... So, yeah... They they are not into the subscription service, even though they want them want you to subscribe. 
uh, and and I feel like they, it's the exact same thing with PC cloud and mobile. Yeah, they can talk about this all day long as long as I don't see any effort for them in, to to actually invest and give customers value. That's what this is all about. I want value yeah. as a customer. Um, I don't. I I feel that this is an an, an empty promise, but. Yeah, Dutch. Yeah, I think I don't. I mean, I, I, obviously the the cross buy thing. I can never see Sony doing that because naturally they want to make as much money as they can. Yeah, Microsoft. Again, it's it's entirely their decision to to forego additional profits for for that. They don't have to offer that. That's a major bonus for those who happen to have a good gaming PC and a console. Is that if you buy that game, you get it on both. Um, of course, naturally, I don't think anybody beforehand could have seen a company doing that and allowing yeah. you to have two versions of, of the game. Um, but they do do that, so they've kind of set a benchmark um, that I don't think many companies could match on, on on that front. But given at least the option to to buy it at a, at a reduced rate if you already own it on console, for instance, would be fantastic. Um, at least that, provide cross save. At yeah, least and cross save is, is definitely yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but then you would have to have a cloud system that doesn't require payment, and that's True the that. issue. That's the issue. This save format for for the cloud is terrible. In order to get your save files, you have to first save it and upload your save on PlayStation 4 in order to access it on PlayStation 5, in, in order to to download your save file on PlayStation for, for on PC in order to play it on P, on PlayStation 5 and blah, blah, blah. You'd have to save it and then upload it and then upload it and then save it and download it and up save it and download it. Why? You just, like, <laughs> you need to figure out the same synchronization thing that Xbox have where the game, as soon as you've saved, it automatically synchronizes that save to the cloud. To the cloud. And if you turn it's, it on anywhere else, it's yeah, the man. same thing. It's, it's the year 2024. Come on. Yeah. How can this not yeah. be a thing? Every every exactly. everyone does that. You do Steam does that. Xbox yeah. does that. Um there's no reason not to do it. Um Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 a, I still don't understand why, first of all, they don't have a save function that works that seamlessly um on cloud. And B, why they still charge for cloud saves in the first place. No, true. I don't get it. Me neither. The, the cloud saves should not be behind a paywall. <laughs> Absolutely not. I do agree. I do agree. But Dutch, let us move yeah. on to to the uh, community questions. Ooh, yeah, uh, like yeah. we said in we the beginning. Catch up on. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot to catch up on. Uh, we unfortunately... <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, forgot to, uh, them um, after all the excitement after the developer direct last week. We forgot last week's community questions, so we have double time today. And yeah. um, for those who don't know, in case you're new to the show, each and every Wednesday you can write in either on Twitter, on YouTube, on Discord, wherever you are. You can write in questions or topics you would like us to discuss. And so did a, a, lo a lot of people. So let us start with Ninja Squirrel. It uh, wrote, uh, was actually a question. 
from last week. Yeah, so okay. the question is, with the potential of Pell World smash hit of 24, at the time we didn't know that it is actually a smash hit, yeah? yeah. Will you be hosting community get-togethers? Um, it would be cool as fuck uh, uh, to have multiple people <laughs> on one server working as a team uh, with enough numbers. That's, that's uh, your indeed, part. Indeed, indeed. Uh, well, as it stands right now, they don't have dedicated servers on the Xbox version, only on the Steam version. So until they get the um, um, the features aligned on both Steam and Xbox, and we get those same versions, mm. um, then we were on, technically unable to. Um, we can only host a four-player local, uh, four-player online co-op for that. So uh, ultimately, when it it has dedicated servers um, on Xbox, then I don't see why we can't. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, I leave the, the, the community game hosting um, for Palworld up to you, man. Yes. <laughs> we'll um, get you into it one day. Maybe. The ultimate pal catcher maybe. maybe. Yeah. Maybe if, if FOMO... Is is getting too big? Uh, I will, I will think about it. I can yeah. imagine you like end up turning into like str a strategist with your your pals and your base and things like that, and turn it into like an age of empires with pals. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then micromanaging everything. Okay, I need this worker. To, to be do fair, this. you can actually micromanage it. You can because you can assign your pals to different workstations in order to generate items and craft food and do x y and z so you can actually micromanage the living hell out of that game <laughs> Sweet. you know i'm 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 a i'm a super micromanager at in h4 and i recently discovered this um should have known that by now there's a, yeah. a way uh, an option in the menu where you can let a timer run in the top center of the your screen and right. this is a game changer for H because now you know exactly whether you're good or not so you know exactly okay at around one minute and 23 seconds I have to have like three workers on wood and six on food and by in, in a minute one and 50 seconds I have to move two workers from gold to like this is incredibly helpful, like yeah. insanely helpful. It's game changer, man. <laughs> Absolute game changer. That's exactly what Power World's like when you when you start getting your production lines ah, come in on. order and things come like that. Come on, there's no way in hell that Power World even gets close to the quality of of what H4 oh, no. is. Come Not on, quality, but, uh, but in terms of production and lines fun and, and micromanaging and strategy and skill and uh, don't get me started on H four man. <laughs> We're gonna run another two hours. <laughs> True Iron Leg writes in and says, "My question isn't about the developer direct. Um, is." It just me, or is anyone else excited about Prison Architect 2 and that it's going 3D? 
Have an awesome day, Chant. Uh, I didn't know it was going 3D. That's awesome to hear. I have never played Prison Architect, so... I'm sorry, but... Let us know yeah. in the chat if anyone else is excited about Prison Architect 2. I really can't talk about it. Um, <laughs> so, sorry there. Uh, Dave Ramos writes in and says, Hola, Boxy and Dutch. It's been a year since the very first developer direct. So, given the format, the frequency and the Xbox roadmap, what is the ideal number of directs you would like to see each year? And what opinion, if anything, has changed for you? Well, for, uh, opinions on developer direct, probably, or about the opinion how many num how many de developer directs we should have. Oh, um, so let me start if you need to think about it. Yeah. Um. See, with the format itself being really, really good, like. Not too long, not too short, giving us exactly the insight in a game that us core gamers like. Um, yeah. I want more of them than just one a year. Because let's be real, yeah. yes, they said the Starfield thing last year was a developer direct, but that was like only, if, if we're honest, it's not a developer direct per se. It is. It was like an extension of the Xbox showcase where they gave a 45-minute in-depth look into one particular game, which I loved, don't get me wrong, but the developer direct is like multiple games, 10 minutes each or whatnot, and um, the format is really great because I feel like your regular trailer that you get in a regular showcase is cool for an announcement of a game, it's cool to get get an idea of what the game looks and feels like. But this combination of developers talking over gameplay is just chef's kiss to me. Like yeah. hearing the developers themselves talk about what we see on screen, what the game has to offer, how the game works, what the idea behind it is, what makes it stand out. Is exactly how I want a presentation of a game. And now given Xbox's roadmap in the year 24, 25 and beyond, they have absolutely the capability to do more than just one developer direct. They gave us this one in January, which laid out like the three massive um, first party, party games for this year already. Yeah. They extended it with a vowed. Hellblade will be out in May. And then we have uh, two fall games um, or holiday season games or second half 24 games like with that. But then we, we think about what do they have left that we know of? They have Towerborn left, right, for this year. They have the Microsoft Flight Sim left for this year that they haven't included in, in a developer direct. Then they have Stalker 2 um, yeah. coming as an Xbox exclusive. Um and probably, and then they have Call of Duty, obviously, yeah, yeah, um, and probably one or two games that we haven't heard of, um, plus some indie or double A kind of games like a Flintlock are still coming this year. So there's absolutely the chance 
to do another successful developer direct. You could also yeah. show indie a game like indie or avowed again in in such a developer direct. I don't feel like Hellblade would need one. So what I would love Xbox to do is really like they have this one in January now, and I think this is now a thing. We will get one every January. We have yeah. six months later in June the regular showcase, yeah, where we also get like an outlook on games further along, where we have like announcements of second party exclusives or third party games uh, at the stage this is this is this is this stage it's the big showcase and then we have usually pardon me the game awards at the end of the year where they also show one or two tra trailers for games that are usually a little further out yeah if you think about yeah. The games that they have shown, they showed Hellblade in 2019 at the Game Awards. They've shown Perfect Dark at the Game Awards. They've now shown Blade at the Game Awards. You know, which is cool and nice. But I feel like one developer direct in the fall season yeah. would be absolutely awesome. And you could include one or two games that ca are coming out early in the year, like Q125. You could include one game there, but you could also double down on Indie and 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 Stalker on and and um, Avowed, yeah, to get the hype up again. Because if now Indie, let's say it's a September game, let's say it's an October game. In between January yeah. and and September, October, November, a lot of hype can die uh, die off, and to have one closer to the launch of the games is also very good. So I would love to see another developer direct in fall season. And I feel like one in January, then we have June, then we have like one in October or September, and um, and then the Game Awards at the end of the year for one or two exciting announcements for games that come later and then we start the whole thing all over again next year. I would I would love that. How about you, man? Yeah, I agree as well. I think I think having another another one uh, I think at the end of the year um for me personally I think will be enough. Um you have one at the beginning, one at the end. You've got your June showcase, you've got Gamescom, you've got the Game Awards, you've got Tokyo Game Show. So <laughs> Mm. Um, yeah, I think an additional kind of um, developer direct at the end of the year um, or ones just before the release of the games at the tail end of the year would be fantastic. I agree. I agree. Um, then we have Andrew Source writing in. It's a good one, man. 360 online games are being shut down. Do we need to have a funeral wake? What will we miss? So yeah, I don't know if you've seen that. Um, uh, the 360 online games getting uh, shut shut down. Is there anything you would you, you you're gonna miss? Um, you said about hearing this. What would what's your what's your take there? Uh, no, I'm not gonna miss. I mean, it's. I haven't. I've got. I've still got a 360, but ultimately, I haven't played any 360 games in. I can't even remember the last time I played a 360 game. Yeah. Can you remember? Well, um, not on the 360. 
I do occasionally, you know, go back and play some of these retro games. And yeah. I, yes, I do consider them retro now. Because if you oh, think definitely. about it, it's almost 20, it's 19 years since the 360 came out, man. Can you imagine that? Yeah. It's been it's 19 insane, years. So I consider everything retro that is... We have last gen and everything before that is retro, you know? But yeah, yeah uh, when was it? A couple of months ago, I booted up Gears 3 again, for instance. And over Christmas, the Christmas season, I played Arkham City again. Um, although, if I, if I think about that, that was the Xbox One remaster, remake version. But yeah, I, I tend to occasionally go back. I love backwards compatibility. Of course, I'm, it's not, nothing I use every day. Who has time? But I love being able to go back. But usually... It's not for online reasons. It's it's the campaigns. It's the uh, it's the single player games. You know, uh, I I don't go back and play Gears Three multiplayer. I go back and play yeah this, exactly play play the yeah. campaign. So I'm not really going to miss miss it. And honestly, yeah, the 360 generation ended 11 years ago. Yeah, yeah in 2013. Um, so I think it's, it's fair to shut the, the online services down, uh, at some point. Um, I don't know. What about you guys in the chat? Let us know. Yeah. Um, very, very, very good question. Um, then we have Pshilki writing in. The next RGG Studio installment uh, is going to be a blast, don't you think? Uh, what, uh, like a dragon, yeah, the man yeah. who forgot his name? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, people are excited for it. It's probably not my cup of tea, but uh, people are very excited for it. The one thing we have to highlight, which needs to be brought up, is putting New Game Plus behind um, the deluxe version. Yeah, behind the paywall, it, basically, yeah. Yeah, is bullshit, and they need to change that. I agree. Um, I don't think anybody should stand for that. That's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and uh, I hope I hope they, they change that and... and uh, rescind that and just give everybody new game plus uh that's a bonkers thing to do put a game mode behind a, a deluxe version of a game it's absolutely insane um so hopefully they change that although in terms of the actual game itself i've heard it's very good so fingers crossed people enjoy it yeah all right so last question of the day uh, it's actually a question in German, so I have to translate it now. Um, it's a, it's from a Sea of Stars fan. Um, I don't translate that. Um, well, basically, I think we had that couple, a very similar question a couple of months ago. How do you guys prepare for the podcast? It's basically his question. It depends on who hosts. 
if Foxy hosts and he does the preparation, if I'm hosting the podcast, then then for me, um, literally trolling through every bit of website to look at the latest gaming news, big, small, something you might have missed, something you haven't have missed. Um, if it's new games that have released or releasing, whether or not I've, I'm playing them or will play them, uh, I get an understanding of what that game is, what it's about. Um, if it's especially if it's a big topic, what makes that game successful, why people enjoy it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and essentially that can take up some time, and then, of course, on the on the other side of things, which is the the one that does take a little bit of more time uh, is gathering the footage for the background, um, creating the thumbnail. Um, if we're doing new overlays or new intros or things like that. So it depends on usually the time of the year and what's happening. Mm. If we're doing a full channel revamp, that can take a little bit more time because we need to do the overlays and everything again or thumbnail yeah. changes. Uh, if it's around about E3 time, then you know that you're going to have to get different kinds of shows lined up and get ready to download all the trailers to kind of discuss them afterwards and make notes all the time about what's happening. So it can vary. It can vary. But sometimes it's very hectic. Other times in quieter months, you don't really have to think about too much and you can just, yeah. okay, this is set up, this is set up, let's go. Yeah, so obviously... Um like like you said if you if you want to really like create a new overlay or s something like that um or new intro or new starting soon or whatnot that obviously takes a lot of time um to do that uh, other than that i usually what i do um is i mean i follow the news anyway right i'm i'm I have my go-to websites for news uh, that I visit multiple times each day anyway. Then you have obviously, you know, the, the Twitter streets. So you probably don't miss any news items anyway and you follow them anyway. Um, and then I simply, like, I have a OneNote uh, where I write down, ah, this is a could be a topic for the podcast. Uh, this is a news item we could discuss and then put it all throughout the week as I read them when I see an article, I don't know, on Video Games Chronicles or whatnot. I just go there or WCCF Tech or wherever I, I, I see those, see, see uh, read a, a news item that I think, oh, that could be worth a discussion. I just copy the link in a OneNote. And then before the show, I usually sit down and see okay what what topics do we actually want to discuss um write them down so that we have like at least uh something okay that, that we don't miss anything and then we just go live of course i collect the community questions on wednesday put them together uh and and then usually it's not like we to discuss up front which topics we discuss we just roll with it and usually we go off topic anyway so <laughs> yeah um, yeah uh yeah there's so there's no real ritual like that we have uh, in order to prepare also for the, for the podcast um we're not that professional bro no not yet not yet, <laughs> not yet. 
But we are nearing uh, not just the end of this podcast, but we are nearing our hundredth episode of the World of Gaming, which is <gasps> next week. Yes, we are. Next week, we're gonna celebrate our hundredth episode of the World of Gaming. Um, but for today, uh, I think we we can come to an end of the podcast. I want to say a huge thank you to everyone who joined us here live today. You guys are absolutely awesome. We had some great discussions also in the chat. I want to say a big thank you, of course, for all the super chats and especially the channel members. Um, you guys rock big time. Um, thanks for supporting us. And uh, But everyone else who just listens in, we appreciate you just as much. Um, either here on YouTube or if you made it to the end on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. You guys are awesome. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the show. Dutch, let everyone know what you've coming up, man. Yeah, so um, this weekend I'm going to be giving an early preview into Thomas Salah's new game, uh, Bulwark, uh, the Falconer Chronicles, which Ooh, is sweet. I'm going to be getting a demo on the 30th <laughs> or platform. And it releases in March. So um, I'm going to be doing a live stream on Saturday. It is on Steam that I'll be playing. So I'll be doing a live stream um, on Saturday. I'm showing off the game and its tools, etc. Um, and what the demo entails for people who play it. So tune in for that to see what Bulwark's all about. Um, and uh, other than that, um, of course... Just uh, regular gameplay live streams, um, as and when I've got time to do them, and the podcast every Wednesday. And, of course, you can find me here every Thursday for the World of Gaming. Um, of course, in the background, slowly but surely working on the Indie Showcase. You're muted, by the way. Ah, okay. So, which... So, I just said... Uh... I'm I'm super excited for for the indie showcase and what you're cooking up there. Uh, it's gonna yeah. be awesome. April can't come fast enough, man. So yeah, yeah guys, um, thanks again for listening in. Um, we hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, the weekend is near. I hope you guys get to relax and play some games. Uh, and but for now, thanks again for joining us, and we see you guys next week. Don't forget to game on.